I was coming in real mellow. There you go. All right, all right. Here we are. Episode 55, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast. I'm Dave Z. How's everybody? Hello, hello. <laughs> Doing well. Doing well. All right. Well, we're coming in mellow tonight. Usually we're coming in strong. Tonight we're doing it a little different. Don't know why. It just kind of happened that way. And again, it's season three. We're just we're doing what we want to do. So. Well, not really. We're doing what Derek wants us to do. <laughs> yeah, and it's a good show. I'm very happy with the movies he picked, considering I thought I owned all three, but I did only own two of them. But I was happy that he picked movies that I owned. This is almost exclusively an older horror movie show, other than some triple uh, R's. Yeah, there is a lot of old stuff. We talked about we talked about wanting to get into Hammer Horror. Yeah, and you know what? Just like when we did uh, There's Always Room for Jallo last year. This makes me want to watch more Hammer Horror. So right out of the gate, I now am like, okay, I've got to do, you know, how Dave, you said you want to do the uh, Stephen King over the course of the next year or two, whatever it may be, uh, and go through the whole filmography of the Stephen King works. I want to hit every Hammer movie and go back and check out the Jallos that uh, I said I was going to do, but because of the slasher show and everything else, there just wasn't time to do. So now I'm going to dedicate this year after we did the 76 show, to Hammer and uh, Jalo. I couldn't agree more, Christian. I was going to kind of keep it a secret till we got into the reviews, but why well, keep the listeners in suspense? I'm, I'm down for more Hammer. Wow. At least you didn't turn started. that into like a sexual thing. Uh, and this guy's always down for more Hammer. Let's get it started. Jackhammer. Uh, hammer, um... What was I going to say? How many Hammer movies are there? Well, they started, oh. what, in the uh, 30s? I, I know nothing. I actually had the list. They did start there, but they really kicked it in high gear. And one of the ones that we watched was one of their late last ones. I know they had a kind of a resurgence. because Yeah, like technically the woman in black from like 2009 yeah. or whatever is considered Hammer. But I think they ended in the 70s, which is really a shame yeah. because that was like their peak time. So wait a minute. The two of you not collectively, in, collectively and individually, just thought it was going to be a good idea to go through all these Hammer movies without doing uh, any bit of research as to how many there were or anything. You're just saying, I'm going to watch them all this year. They started in 1935. No, I, I, did, do, I did do research. I didn't just, I, unfortunately, unlike you, I didn't count them all, but I got the, I have the list right here. I was trying not to make it so obvious that I was looking for shit even though we're videotaping this for Patreon again. Uh, so bear with me, and I'll give you the fucking answers. Okay, in the meantime, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll talk about some Asshole. bullshit. What else we got? <laughs> I know, I am one. Um, <laughs> I just want a professional show. <laughs> okay. A laid-back professional show? Laid-back, but still professional. See, that's where, that's where we fit in. It's the hard public to... life of Henry the Ninth in 1935 was Hammer Films' first production, and they went all the way... Until 1979's The Lady Vanishes, which was their final Hammer production for 28 years. And then, of course, they came back in 2008 and have since films like Let Me In, Wakewood, The Woman in Black, The Quiet Ones, and some others are considered Hammer, but I don't count those. But, the, but there's also, you're talking about all Hammer. I'm specifically talking about the horror films. And MC the horror Hammer. films, oh. yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're talking be a hammer. lot of those jokes already, and, we, and we've already ran that into the ground. Well, I'm talking horror hammer, and <laughs> if you go to the ones that 
uh, B was talking about, yes, they do date back to there. But Horror Hammer officially started with nineteen in 1957 with the Curse of Frankenstein. Aha! Yeah. Well, what about uh, they have the, the quarter mass experiment in 55? Okay, in the but, meantime... But, no, but what we're saying is in the 50s. I, I get what he's saying, and he's right. In the 50, in the mid-50s, late 50s is when the horror really stopped, started. 31. 31 flicks. And some of them we're going to actually watch, like, for instance, To a Devil of Daughters, a 76 flick. So we're going to be watching that for uh, the 22 Shot Show as well. Already did. Oh, okay. I watched it for Full Frontal. Uh, what's her name? Natasha Kinski? That's why I watched it. Oh, uh, Klaus's daughter. To the devil a daughter. Yeah. yeah. They love, they love Bush. They love Bush and Hammer. I mean, I know that was more what they went to in the, in the latter films, like the seventies, like they're tits and Bush. Look, we're not, we're not, we're not discussing to, to, a, to the devil a daughter. So I'll just come out and say it right now. That was my least favorite of the four Hammer films that I watched. I, I wasn't I, even. I thought it was it. a complete bore. Wow. And it's well, it's, it's. I, I, I was looking forward to seeing it because it's really well received. Yeah, but I mean, but, we'll see what okay. I have to say about tonight's films. And then in 1990, 1993, uh, there was a big change. MC Hammer started just calling himself Hammer, if you guys remember. Yeah. So let's not forget that. There's MC Hammer versus Hammer, and there's Real Hammer versus Horror Hammer. This is the ultimate Hammer show. We're talking yeah. everything Hammer tonight. <laughs> Can we have a hammerhead shark as the uh, the thumbnail? Well, how about a how about a how do you say it a ball peen hammer? I, it sounds familiar. Ball peen. Uh, I think that's <laughs> what your sexual would prefer. Yeah. Is, is that your ball or your peen? peen. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it called a ball peen hammer though? I think it is. I think it, that happens. That's that's usually like a uh, a complaint from a girl that hooks up with a guy. He had a ball peen hammer. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and really long saggy balls yeah. so yeah we're talking some hammer tonight and um a couple other triple r's a lot of um all this is patreon not all of it but two triple r's and and three features are our patreon so we'll talk about who did it and when when the time comes but before we go into our first review there's a couple of topics so I'm going to make it quick. A couple things here that caught my interest. First of all, this is show-related. We said we were going to do a, uh, a retrospective for a movie. So we put up a poll, and a big controversy ensued, right? So As usual. As usual. Now, we have not discussed Friday the 13th, take a drink, in, in over two years. We said we weren't going to rush. We weren't going to do the big ones until our third year. So here we go in our third year. To, played everything right. Put up a poll. What do you? And we, we, we gave choices. And Friday the 13th overwhelmingly comes in. However, a lot of people had beef with it. It's, it's, it's been done. Yada, done to yada. death. Right. Done to death. Well, like it or not, it won. And we're going to do it. It's not going to be now. It's going to be later on. The right time of year. And we're taking our time. And we're going to make it the best show we can. Because we're Friday fanboys here, obviously. So let's, we're going to do a good job. And Brandon, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But... <laughs> our history has been um, documented in the podcast world, Christians in mind. But anyway. Mr. New Blood over there. <laughs> Mr. New Blood, yeah. So second place, Phantasm came in. Another one that's never been talked about. Right, another <laughs> one that's never been talked about. Now you're going to knock her? Now, I'm about no, to... No, every franchise, I don't get why people fight because they vote for it. And every franchise has been talked about it like a million times. Like, is there really anything that hasn't been talked about? Yeah, Juwan, nobody's talked about. What'd you call me? 
<laughs> there hasn't been a Juwan joke in a while, actually. This is true. That's true, but like you said, half of them are like impossible to get. Yeah, they're hard. Although I'm I'm getting closer. But there's different there's different ones. Nobody's done Hannibal. We talked about doing that. We talked about doing even the Omen people haven't done. These are ones that are sitting out there that people haven't done. But yet when we put it to vote, where did they finish? They finished in the middle or towards yeah. the bottom. So the demand was still there for freaking Friday and for obviously because it won and then Phantasm and then um what else came in real high? There was a couple other ones. It was like uh, there was like a top five and they all came in. Evil Dead was another big one and I forgot the two others. And next show uh, I'll discuss it again. I'll look it up, but I don't remember. But those ones were pretty much they have been done. Every one of those shows has been done. You know. And we put the poll out there. I know things were coming back, but Friday still blew it away. Correct. Yes, it's it's still out of the water. Pretty strong. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Second place was Phantasm, and uh, that was that. But then we just so happened to be talking to to Christine, because Christine Strauss stepped up another tier and Patreon. Thanks, Christine. Yeah, everybody follow suit. Yeah, let her be an example to the rest of you slackers. Right. <laughs> we know this is hard times, but fuck. <laughs> Yeah, but a dollar. A this is my. This is my. This is my only source of income. <laughs> For less than a cup of coffee, Brandon can have new shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Think about the bullshit you spend a dollar on every month. My God, a dollar. Anyway, <laughs> Christine stepped up, and uh, we're gonna do Phantasm. So thank you. We're excited about it, and that's gonna be uh, next show. So you guys are gonna get two this year at least. Ravager, hardly know her. Oh, <laughs> no. Even, Get even back. 22 oh, shots. Even. <laughs> I listened to 22 shots, you and do? they were complaining. They were <laughs> complaining. Well, two of them were about us doing Friday the 13th. Okay? It's been done to death. It's been done to death. JP said, I'm interested because of the people involved, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me because Moods doesn't listen anyway. Yeah. Jeremy, I don't think even... If he wasn't in a podcast, I don't think he'd even know what a podcast was. He's still trying to look for it on AM. <laughs> this fucking guy... I don't hear us. <laughs> Jeremy's never listened to a podcast. But I was thinking about something. They cracked me up. I'm going to bust on their balls now because they did something. You know how we make fun of Christian for, uh, hold on now, for the hyperbole thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, listen to this. Speaking of 22 shots and, and fucked up things. <laughs> I'm listening. Did you guys listen to the Hellraiser show? No. No? B? <laughs> No, in all reality, okay. that's a lot of bullshit movies to go through. I listened to the first four and stopped because I haven't finished the movies. So, Absolutes. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I, I just, I'd stop dead. Period. Right there. I okay. stopped listening when they said they were going to do uh, the Hellraiser franchise. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care what people are saying about that last one. You check out the first ten minutes and you tell me. I was like, this is a fucking, this is a train wreck right out of the gate. I was shocked Ooh. at how many... People were people raving seem it. People love it. I can't. I can't fully comment. I have to actually watch it. But yeah, wait till next show. Not, yeah, or the show after, because I started it too, and I was okay with it. And I was like twenty minutes in, I was getting tired, so I stopped. But that's another story. So I will get back to it. But they're doing this Hellraiser franchise, and as they're talking, now I'm used to this shit from Speak and Spell. Those guys, freaking JP and Jeremy, they're always mispronouncing things, spelling things wrong, saying wrong shit. Moods is usually pretty solid. <laughs> well, wouldn't you know, all three of them 
all three of them refer to the box. What do you guys call the box? Lamag configuration. configuration. Okay, I agree. All three of them, multiple times, refer to it as... <laughs> the layman's? The Lamont configuration. Lamont. That's the the urban configuration. (laughs) What is it, fucking Sanford and Son? Uh, Okay. (laughs) The Lamont configuration. It's in my junk pile. The big one's coming, Elizabeth. (laughs) Leroy, come help me with this Lamont configuration. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Now I got to go back and listen to that show. Lamont. to hear that. They did it again. (laughs) All three of them. How could all three of them? Like a black guy in jerseys? <laughs> Levant, get over here. You know how many people got shot for touching Lamont's configuration? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> That's funny. Yes. Yeah. I so, should be commenting because I fuck shit up like that all the time, but certain We all do. Yeah, not, every we... time I say whatnot, just feel free to slap a dead fish across my face. <laughs> whatnot? I don't mind whatnot. Yeah, it's okay. It's not like you're saying like very Canadian things, you know what I mean? Like annoyingly, you don't do that shit. I'll give you props. Yeah. So, yeah. I am a little tired today. I was moving to Chesterfield, and it was just—it's very heavy. That's a very Canadian term, Chesterfield. Chesterfield. <laughs> yeah, that's a is couch. This, is this a jungle ju- Chesterfield? <laughs> <laughs> really? You've never heard that term before? No. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that man. Was. I thought I had the lowest joke of the night. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm not even sure if this is a joke or if this is real. It's real. <laughs> Chesterfield is a... That's what he's like saying. You don't say stupid Canadian things. So I'm like, oh, I'm very tired for moving to Chesterfield because it's actually a term we use. Like, oh, it's over there by the Chesterfield. The couch what? is the Chesterfield? Yeah. So you've sat on Ch- Chester's face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Chesterfield. <laughs> wow. I never heard of that. I've never so, either. So Christian, when you're in your household... You tell your kids, hey, get off the Chesterfield. It's time for dinner. Get your feet off the Chesterfield. You can. I pretty much say get off the couch. but Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, there are people that say, hey, get off the goddamn Chesterfield. What? That's so <laughs> Lamont, weird. Lamont, get the fuck off the Chesterfield. Lamont, <laughs> get that configuration over here. <laughs> okay, now listen. I'll go a step further. This is running rampant on the Horrorphilia Network because I listened to Kill the Cast this past week as well, and I could not believe it. But listen to this. First, there's Hyperbole, okay? And then there's Lamont Configuration. <laughs> Guess what Jerry said? He wanted... I've never heard anyone do this. Have you ever heard anyone pronounce the word as epitome? Epitome? Yes. The word is epitome. <laughs> but Jerry epitome. called uh, Jay... Or not Jay. He called... um. What the hell did he do? Wait, I forgot what he did. Bottom line he called, is, so, he called somebody the epitome of something. Yeah, does is that legit? You're the epitome of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you took one too many hits in the hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, believe it or not, though, Christian, I'm gonna defend you here because hyperbole is still something I'll hear scholars say. I'll hear intelligent people refer to it as hyperbole as well as hyperbole. So I think that's one that can go either way, like uh, you know, like you. That's what we say in the upper crust of society. 
kicking my feet up on the Chesterfield. I'm watching the Hyper Bowl, and I'm uh, I'm the epitome of a uh, Canadian. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm sitting here holding my Lamont configuration. You know what, Lamont? I forgot the other one. Lamont. I can't believe we're making fun of this yeah. when I know for a fact. I'm speaking just for me. I'm fumbling over words every two seconds when I'm. I talking, know for so. a fact I get to edit this much pause in between Brandon's sentences. So anyway, I was at the. Movies the other night. And <laughs> boy, holy fuck. Uh-oh. Sometimes I need a time now just to rest. I try not to fumble over my words like you do. Because sometimes you talk and you get to the end of a, a statement and we're like, what? Oh, what are you me. talking about? I know. <laughs> I, I said it the last time. I catch myself doing it all the time. No, you're good. You're good. We're kidding. No, he's not good. He, he, He's the... He's the epitome. He's, he's the epitome <laughs> of hyperbole. So get off that Chesterfield and bring that Lamont configuration over to me. Come on. Yeah. Lamont configuration. And one more thing. Fangoria is coming back. Yeah. And I call bullshit on everybody that's acting so happy about it. Because where the fuck were you guys for the past three years when nobody was buying those magazines? And nobody was going on the website. And I was over here sitting saying what a sad state of affairs it is on this very podcast. And we said, it's a shame. I wish Fangoria was at the forefront like they used to be. It's sad to see what they've become. Now, where were all these people? I just find it so funny that everybody's all of a sudden so excited that they're coming back. Where the fuck have you been? What? Tell me. You know what I mean? That's, I find it strange. Am I the only guy? No, that's that's fair. I've never owned a Fangoria in my life. So to me, like... I'm happy. That's that's good for people who who like Fangoria. But uh, I wasn't, you know, jumping on the bandwagon. Oh my god! Are they doing a limited run, like a like a, only a couple of issues a year? Four, four, four a year, quarterly. Season. So that makes yep. more sense because they couldn't go. I think even Rumorg went to uh, six, quarterly, six a year. Oh, yeah, no, it's quarterly. No, no, no. I, oh, no it is no, six no. a year. Okay, it is six a year. You're correct. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine being in print. It's still niche. Or as uh, the 22 shots guys might say, nice. Nikki. 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 Anyway, print is weird. I, I know moods and, and there's a lot of people out there. I need a hard copy. I need a hard copy. I used to be like that. I used to be a collector. Digital. Everything's digital now. Websites. Yeah, you got your, you got horrormovies.ca, bloodydisgusting.com. I don't care what you think of the people. There's so many other options out there and they've been out there and they've established themselves as the new blood brand. And don't get excited over there uh, for the last like 15 plus years. And there's so many alternative means to get your information now that I have, I give it a year and I, I hate to be that. I know. Because, because I, I used to collect that. I had over a hundred of the magazines. I had a fair share myself, and, and, and I, I carried them everywhere I went for like 20-plus years. And finally, I forgot where and when it happened, but I got to the point that I was sick of taking them place-to-place, collecting dust and, and, and moving from, you know. And I don't know what became of them. I don't remember. but And it's kind of sucks. I wish I had them now still, but I don't. But what are you going to do? But I just found it funny how everybody came out of the woodwork. Fangoria's coming back. Yay, here we go. Yeah, I think it's just pu- – <laughs> It's looked at it, and I and I can see this. It's, it's positive news for the horror fan. Sure, it we're is. horror fans, so it's it's a staple of the horror community, rising from the ashes, so to speak, and regaining, hopefully, regaining its former glory. But yeah, I hate to be the negative Nancy, but two things, yeah, that that I was like, it, oh, that's cool, but I can't imagine it surviving. And then the other thing was, 
Uh, I'm not that excited about the new Halloween movie. Oh, I am so excited. I Everything know. I hear is great. How could you I, I not think, be excited? I think it's because I don't want to be. I've been so let down so many times. <laughs> I think I just want to go in with the lowest expectations. So I'm like, whoa, this is the fucking best thing I've ever seen. That's true. That's true. I, I feel you. But listen, <laughs> that they're doing the best thing that no sequel has done. The, the Michael and Laurie being brother and sisters is fucking finally going to be gone. The worst thing that ever happened in freaking horror in that franchise. Which in, turned horror. Into, <laughs> in a horror franchise, because as soon as they made that thing, the entire rest of their franchise had to all be about his family, his fucking niece and, and, and his cult that, and they made him kill his family. Everything was family. And his family. horse. Family and his the horse, horse that he killed. Yes. His white horse. <laughs> his mother. His horse. Everybody. You know. You know what his horse's name was? Lamar. A horse. <laughs> a little bit of name. A little bit of trivia. A horse with no name. It's I not a know. horse with no name. It's Lamont. <laughs> I just said Lamont. <laughs> Did you? Yes. Oh, sorry, I wasn't like. <laughs> Fuck. Because I said that's a really weird name for a white horse. Oh. Okay. <laughs> if you want to ride, ride the white horse, Lamont. <laughs> Okay. There should be a lot more Lamont jokes tonight, people. So just fucking get it fucking through your head right now. You're going to hear a lot of Lamont jokes. Well, that's what they get. Come on. How do they not know it's the, the Lament configuration? I, I, they tease me all the time because I don't know what Hammer Horror is, and I didn't know what Abacus was or some shit like that at one point. And, oh, Dave, you, especially Moods, you, you surprise me. Other than he goes, you never cease to amaze me because you know all this <laughs> stuff. But then how do you not know about this? And, you know, him and Derek... They're, they're like encyclopedias, so it's like they're always saying shit. They're always surprised that I don't know certain stuff. Yet, they're calling it the the Mont configuration. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, I love those guys. But yeah, tonight, Hammer Horror. What three movies are we doing? Who knows? Twins of Circus. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you let someone else handle it since you just combined Twins, two movies? Twins of Circus. <laughs> We're doing Countess Dracula, Twins of Evil. And Vampire Circus. <laughs> yeah. Hammer. We're going to get into that in a minute. What do you guys want to do? Break or not break? Let's break. Goodbye, Patreon, folks. Oh, goodbye, Patreon, folks. Ho- hopefully they're going to stay and listen to the rest of the show, so I'm not going to say goodbye to it's them. It's the video portion, you fucking twit. <laughs> Wait, we're on video? <laughs> <laughs> Are you tired of the cast? Are you sick of its casty ways? Well then, kill the cast. Are you having trouble in the bedroom? Is your wife tearing down your confidence and your manhood on a daily basis? Are your kids the bastard children of other men? Well then, what are you waiting for? Kill the cast. Kill the cast. Kill the cast. When you can no longer stand exotic, ravishing women approaching you in the street looking for a good time, when those bi-weekly infant blood transfusions simply aren't enough, when your parents just don't understand, it's time to kill the cast. Kill the cast. Kill the cast is the viable, safe alternative to injuring the cast, hurting the cast's feelings, or merely poking the cast with a stick. Why bother to leave the cast alive when you can kill the cast? Kill the cast is vitamin rich and is part of a high protein, low carb and low sugar diet. It's also calorie free, diabetic friendly and recommended by 10 out of 10 dentists. Kill the cast. Kill the cast. Kill the cast. cast. I'm Mr. Watson from Horror Corridor. 
part of the Horophilia Network of Horror Podcasts, and I approve this message. Straight from a legend's mouth, you heard it. Kill the Cast, a horror podcast for everyone from Cenobites to werewolves. Come join us exclusively on Horophilia.com. I think I have an idea here. I think we should go away for four months and return in July, and then everybody will be thrilled that we're back. I think I figured it out. I think like like Fangoria, they went away for like four months. <laughs> Nobody gave a shit before they went. They come back, everyone's up there. Oh my God, Fangoria. Okay, how about Mr. Watson? Mr. Watson doesn't put out a show for four months. Everybody's salivating for this newest episode. So I think these people are onto something. No, so, you're right. You're right, Dave. People have been asking me when Christian's going to start recording uh, quarterly. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, well, for so, TJF13, that's kind of how it's been going. <laughs> that's like one episode a year for Lucky at this oh, point. Oh, it's crazy. I feel bad. Vince is like ready to go. He's busting at the Aww. seams. Yeah, it's been it's it. been my well, it's it's been me. It's been crazy at work, man. Circus, uh, vampire circus yeah. has been nuts. <laughs> 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 nice. Those vampire elephants bite. Yeah. <laughs> so now Derek B, he's the guy responsible for tonight's show. These are all his picks. Hammer horror. It's my introduction to it. I believe it's Brandon's introduction to it. It right? is. Okay, and C has a little bit of history with it. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, on the topic of remakes, since we're not talking about remakes, I'm just gonna. Uh, start into the topic of remakes. <laughs> People complain about remakes. Remakes have been around for a long time. And the reason I bring this up now is the Phantom of the Opera is probably one of the most remade horror films ever. That story has been remade probably more than anything else. If you don't consider each Friday the 13th sequel a remake of the last and just look at them as sequels, Phantom of the Opera, the, the story has probably been the most remade movie in the horror realm. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is I love the Herbert Lom one, which is Hammer Horror. And I can't wait to revisit that again because that's the one I w- watched the most as a kid. Nice. Yeah, I and, I sa- and I always said, if you're going to remake something, just remake it. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we said that for the last <laughs> two weeks at least. Yeah, if you're going to remake it, remake it. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work if Stephen King wanted to remake it and he remade Needful Things. But look at it. They had the Lon Chaney uh, Phantom of the Opera. They had the, uh, I believe there's one in the 40s that I'm, I'm forgetting who the main actor is in, the Herbert Lom. And then we had a TV Phantom of the Opera movie. And then there was the Robert England one. Then there oh. was the musical rendition. I love it. Six oh. right there. And Six. Dario Argeno's. Dario Argento's thank you, of course. Because I, 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 I thought of that earlier, and then I forgot now. And then if you want to take the Phantom of Paradise, Phantom of the Mall, like the offshoots of that, too. Like, there, there's a shitload of them. But even just a name only, there is a lot of Phantom of the Operas. Yeah. It's a big one. And the only one I've ever seen was Argento about that. Oh. <laughs> I know. And oh. I don't hate it. But Blech. it's the only one I've ever seen. I just, yeah, I hear you. But tonight... We're doing these three. Thanks to Derek B., Mr. Cinema Attack, Mr. Uh, you know, helping us out on Patreon. We appreciate it all, and you are getting your reviews. So, what's the first one? Vampire Wait, Circus? I, I, Countess of Evil. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> stop you again. Countess of Evil? It's I gotta wrong. stop you. I know he's wrong. He's always wrong. I gotta stop you. The, I, I put a poll, and, and people made jokes, and no one answered the question. I fucked up last episode. 
I said I love Hammer horror movies. I love the and I to get to answer your question even thorough, more thoroughly, even though we're already off of it, Dave, and I'm bringing it right back. I love the horror of Dracula and all the scars of Dracula and all the Christopher Lee Dracula movies. I've seen all those, the Phantom of the Opera. But where I'm going with it is, I said Vincent Price. Vincent Price was never in a horror, a, a, horror, a Hammer horror movie. Or a horror movie, for that matter. Yeah. <laughs> That's he was never in a Hammer movie. We just automatically sort of associate him with Hammer, or at least I guess I did. Uh, but he's in those, uh, like, he's in the Roger Corman movies, but he wasn't in Hammer horror. Right, it's kind of like young MC. He didn't really hang out with MC Hammer, but people kind of consider them <laughs> in the same thing. I always got more confused with Tone Loke. Problem. Good call. Okay. okay. Wait, who's yeah. who's Tony? 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 Has done it again. Yeah, that was a band. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't Vincent Price play a character named Lamont in a Hammer Horror film? <laughs> <laughs> it was never released. <laughs> oh shit. That's that the joke's just not gonna get old. No, okay. uh, right. I'm, I'm glad I brought it up. Right? Should we get into our first film? Yeah, let's do it before we're here all fucking night. All yeah. right, our first film will be Countess Dracula from 1971, and the description is: In medieval Europe, aging Countess Elizabeth rules harshly with the help of her lover, Captain Doby. Finding that washing in the blood of young girls makes her young again, she gets Doby to start abducting likely candidates. And this one was directed by Peter Sasti. I could be saying it wrong, but his name's not Lamont. (laughs) Right, at least we're trying. I'll tell you what, right off the bat, the thing that really drew me into this film, because this was the first one I watched, was um, that opening credit sequence with that image, that painting image. And I looked it up after. That image was an actual painting of the actual Countess Elizabeth in her torture chamber while they're torturing some of her victims. They used to, like, pour water on the girls and, and make them freeze to death. Countess Elizabeth or Countess Bethany of Hungary? I thought that was what it was. Countess Elizabeth Bathory. That's Bethany? a Bethany? Are you talking Beth- about Bathory? Bathory. These fucking guys. I don't know which one of you guys oh, is worse. Sorry, it was my handwriting in this case. See, that's the one problem about the handwritten notes. That was, a, that was an Countess, R, not an N. I apologize. Countess Elizabeth Bathory. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I, loved it. I loved it. The great atmospheric score. And you didn't like that image? I thought it was really creepy. I was like, ooh, this is, this is, it's got me. No, that's cool. I forgot about that image, so I can't really comment on it. I just watched it last night, too. It's the one I watched the most recent, and I, and oh, I don't okay. remember. That, but whatever. I mean, I just, I missed it. I, I, I'll tell you something. This was not at all what I was expecting. She, this had no relation to Dracula whatsoever, well, that, except <laughs> a vampire. And that's so, the major, the major taint on the taint on this movie. Is that, <laughs> we're doing hammers, like, not taints. It's because, it's because people say you get kind of bamboozled with the title, but again, it's a hammer flick, and and there's blood and. I guess back in the day, they didn't have oil of Olay. They just bathed in blood to get younger looking. But think about this. We didn't, I didn't know about Countess Bathory. And you're actually learning about a, a real person that existed to what extent the stories are true or not. And she ultimately did inspire what is common in Dracula lore today. Well, she didn't really drink it, though. She used it for her skin. No, but you know the whole idea of using it to, to keep your youth... Sure. No, I get that. I just, 
I just I, find it I weird. Wasn't expect, I wasn't expecting bats and vampires. I don't know what I was expecting, but I really, I don't, I wasn't expecting that. I, wa- I was, but I wasn't disappointed with what I got. And neither was I. I enjoyed the film, but everything I've heard about Hammer is Christopher Lee, Dracula, and all that other shit are, are like front and center. So when I hear something with Dracula in the title, I'm 100% when I'm sitting down to watch this film, I'm thinking it's going to be related to that Dracula, like yeah. directly, because it's Hammer and it's Dracula. And then the movie, and I'm like, wow, this isn't what I was expecting at all. As a matter of fact, all three of these movies weren't really what I was expecting. But we'll get to him as we. I mean, Vampire Circus, I guess, to a degree. That's there was there were vampires and it was a circus. So I guess that was. <laughs> but still, some of the presentation I wasn't it. expecting it. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. But so the setup for this, I was Sorry. just gonna give a quick setup: is the Count has died and the Countess is now in charge, and she is not a nice person, as is evident by the opening scene where she's riding back to the castle and. <laughs> the freaking poor guy comes up. He's like, your husband promised me work. And she's just like, fuck you. Pushes him off and he falls underneath the carriage. Yeah, and he gets, gets killed. Crushed. Yeah. He's run killed by a, is that possible? He got yes, killed by a wooden, absolutely. a wooden wheel is going to kill somebody. Absolutely. It's a wonder wheel, like in uh, the toy. <laughs> <laughs> wonder wheel! <laughs> oh, wonder wheel, please. We can do too much together, wonder wheel. <laughs> I'm going to bring you to my cousin Lamont. What is this? <laughs> and Christian's like, would you guys stop this? <laughs> I know, we're all so I love it, though. I'm glad you got in on that. <laughs> I just love, which is a common theme in all the, the Hammer movies, like just how they drench their movie in atmosphere. Like you, you don't mistake in it for anything else with the castles, the villages, carnivals, the Victorian garbage. I always like to say, no, it's not Victorian, but that, that style. And this one had a fair amount of titty kissing, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Another thing. Beautiful women. Holy every shit. Every one of these movies. Yeah. I, every single one of these films had, had beautiful women in it. Yeah. It, it, it was really insane. Did. I was just like, oh my God. Where did they find yeah. these women? Right? England, hey. apparently. Right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where's your cousin at? <laughs> but yo, yo, this is. Here's something interesting. And tell me if I missed something. This is covering all three Hammer films. I don't think at any time they said the year anything takes place. We'll just have to assume. No, it never said someplace. No, it, it didn't. It didn't say. But uh, I know Countess Dracula is the 16th century, so yes. the 15, 1550s, 1580s. They're old. They all seem yeah. old. They don't say exactly when it is, and I and I accept it, and it's fine. But that's one thing about these films. I think I knew going into it that they were all going to take place in in the past, and so far they have. I don't know about Lee's Dracula and the rest of them, but and I'm fine with that. But, right you know. about those those set pieces in that atmosphere, though, man. It's just and even the acting. I was very very impressed with the acting throughout. It's just this is almost like you you can see that these are like classically trained actors. Like this came across almost as like a stage production. Yeah, that's what they do, and, and it, this yeah. film felt bigger than the other two, uh, of for tonight uh, that we're talking about tonight. I, it just felt a little bit bigger. Yes, the set of the castle was absolutely uh, spectacular. I, I mean, it didn't feel like a set. You know, it is, but it just didn't feel like it. And I, again, I thought this tour page of the Dorian Gray story instead of the picture getting older, she does, and and then it gets. Like increasingly older, every time she 
goes through oh, the process. Yeah. And I thought they did a good job with the makeup there. Played around the theme of the vanity and, and youth and the horror of getting old. I, it was It's fun, though. They looked like they had fun with this. And there's shocking moments. Like, you know, they when they show the day-to-day life, there's this one scene where it just cuts to a slaughtered pig. And the guy just starts hacking at it. With that, <laughs> and it's like, fuck, fuck. And you're like, oh. Yeah. And, it just, and it just... The camera just sort of continues, dollies along into this into the scene, and and all their movies are like that. You kind of get like thrown into the the time, the the life lifestyle, and I, that's what I love about Hammer Horror, and that's why I said earlier I can't wait to visit all the ones that I haven't seen yet. I like it, and I'm glad I watched them, and I'm into it now. I'm more into period pieces than I ever was. This isn't something that I could watch all the time, but it's definitely something that's been added to to you know my my, my future repertoire of uh you know what i'm gonna watch if you will mm-hmm. so i'm glad i can't watch it constantly but i do like it you know it's i dig it and it's there's beautiful women the story's good the actors the acting is good uh there's actually gore you know what i mean oh, the Not shot of lot. her the shot of her being exposed oh at the end where when she's covered in blood and naked in the tub i'm like oh, oh. man that's a, a great shot like, yeah, freeze right there. Yeah. I'll show you a great shot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the end when, when you see the, her, the the top of her head, that whole thing at the very end. You know what I'm talking about, right? The, the climax yeah. of the film? Okay, all yeah. right. Because I, I guess it's kind of spoiler, so we don't have to say it. But I mean, that's cool looking. I was like, damn, that was good shit. I love how it's not just any blood. It has to be virgin blood. It <laughs> <The laughs> makes sense, I mean, though. I, it does. I mean, it's it, it almost seems like a, a theme because uh, something similar pops up in another movie we'll be talking about tonight too. Yeah, no, I like the I like the fact that when he, they killed like the town whore, it did nothing, had no effect, <laughs> and it had to be uh, Master Fabio who told them, who just lived in the library. He inherited the library <laughs> in the count in the count's will, and he just lived there. But he was smart though because he was the first one to realize that the countess who had her own daughter. Alana. Alona? Alana. The Countess's daughter, Daphne, I think. No, Alona. Oh, no, that's daughter. That's not Brittany? Daphne. Sorry. <laughs> Alona. Alona. He, okay. She had her kidnapped because she was going to p- pretend to be her when she was young. And Fabio was the first one to realize, hey, didn't the daughter look like the father? Right. Because the right. daughter's been away for like 13 years. And now she's coming home because she's inherited half the fortune from the will. Yep, but you know that's that works to a degree. But a lot of times, kids as they're growing up, they change. You know, they might look like their mother the first five years, and they develop and they look more. You see more of their father's features as time goes on. But for the sake of the film, yeah, I, that was cool. And he is probably my favorite character. That guy's great. Who? He's freaking always in a good mood. Always <laughs> has something good to say. He's happy about the library. He yeah, doesn't he bother nobody, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, wrote cool. down, I wrote down two lines. I don't even know why I wrote them down. I guess I found them funny. Which they're drawing a bath for her. The servant's drawing a bath for her at the beginning. Wish me to burn myself, wench. Cold water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that line. And then, uh, and then the, oh God, the guy that is kind of enamored by her, that keeps getting the shaft, the one that's doing her bidding, uh, the stoic. Uh, Dope. Yeah, thank you. Captain Do- Dobie. Yeah, Captain yeah, Dobie. Dobie. I kept thinking of freaking Harry Potter. Yeah. Dobie? <laughs> yeah. What, what do you want? For us to make love? Like how you look now? Like two old <laughs> fools fumbling at each other? Like, 
like, oh, who writes this? But it's great dialogue. <laughs> that made me sad. That made me sad. How about the pimp guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, wait a minute. He was pimping girls and goats. <laughs> if you, really? this wouldn't Black play color. well nowadays, because I figure there'd be a lot of groups getting up in arms. The same groups that changed the Canadian lyrics and on the Canadian national oh. anthem would be not right. happy about the misogyny in this movie. <laughs> it's it's a scary true. time, but at least, you know, this is probably how it was. Yeah, I just, I don't understand why that girl, was she attending bar and also was was a, a whore? Didn't she work at that place? Remember when, when they she brought, what's his she was, No, she was drinking there. She can't moonlight? Well, I thought, <laughs> I thought she was working there because she had the low cut thing on, and they were. I thought she was serving them drinks, and the guy said he's being married tomorrow. They're gonna make a great pair, and she goes, "Oh, not yeah. as good as this pair." And I she know. put her tit. And he face. kisses thought, them. Yeah, he does kiss them. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of tit kissing in this movie. But yeah, he wouldn't fuck her. Wasn't he had as innocent as he made out to be. Granted, he was plastered he when was he hammered, did that. Yeah, he, he was hammered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Hammer time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome uh, <laughs> but uh is there really a such thing as a whorehouse back in those days but i mean there was a whorehouse but did they refer to it as a whorehouse you think in the 16th century because the guy was, says try the whorehouse when the girl it's called the missing. house of ill repute i don't know dave i i i take it as it's delivered to me i didn't do any research into finding out hey. if there's a <laughs> Sorry about that. I didn't check if the 1600s had uh, whorehouses. I assume so. <laughs> no, no, you're missing my, my. No, no, no. I'm not saying there wasn't whorehouses. There's always been a whorehouse. <laughs> they called saying, it the whorehouse? Yes. That they call, it was like watching something from olden days using modern jargon. It just, just that one word. It goes, oh, try the whorehouse. I was just surprised that the word whorehouse was used. Try the not. tavern of debauchery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There you go. That's better than House of Ill Repute. There you go. House of Ill Repute. I love House of Ill Repute. <laughs> How about the 50 Coronas that she was paid? That's a lot of beer, man. So they, I, <laughs> I thought the same thing when we were watching it. Like, Did you know, and I, I didn't see it, I didn't even go back to see him, but Elton John had a cameo in this? No, no joke. This is not a joke. 100% really? Elton John had a cameo, and he was in the bar scene. He was one of the guys sitting at the bar. I in the no bar. clue. No. Yeah. That is... Wow. That did is you not recognize a, that, or did you not, read it? I read. No, I read it after the fact, and I'm like, really, Elton John? I think he was the one in the corner yelling, "Benny, Benny!" <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, his friend Benny had just walked in. I thought he was the one in the corner with a goat. <laughs> it, it's a but, fun movie. It's a fun movie. You could probably wax a little bit more intellectual about it, but I just thought it suffered from a little bit of a rushed ending. We had all this build up. And then a, a quick wedding scene, boom, it could have been something bigger just to finish the movie. Since the movie <laughs> felt so big before in, in, in comparison to the other two, and all these movies are great. Don't, I'm just saying that it just felt like um, it had a bigger budget for whatever reason. And I don't think it did. It's funny no, enough, it I did. think it had a lower budget, but... Yeah. Like, I think just, that's just the style of these films that, you know, the credits are rolling while the last scene is still taking place. And the credits are rolling, and you're still getting the, you know, a reaction shot. I, I kind of like that. Yeah, you they kind of do it in Jallos, if you think about yeah. it. Yeah, oh, yeah, in that way. absolutely. Like, abruptly. Oh. Maybe it was the, the, a product of the time. The, no, I'm movies would they end. Drag out the end, actually. Movies would end, 
abruptly, but I'm just saying the climax felt rushed almost. Like, I gotcha. Okay. There should have been a little bit more to it. If they, they a nice nice build up to it, and then it just sort of ended. I was like, oh, I, you're right. I found it funny that Imre, who proposes to to the Countess, thinking it's the daughter, immediately, you know, when he meets the actual daughter falls in love with her instantly. I guess when the average life expectancy is like 20 years in the 1500s, <laughs> you can't waste time. You're like, all right, I'm over her. I love yeah. you now. Yeah. Well, she doesn't have to rub blood on her and she's hot too. Yes. True, true. It's a win-win. Yeah, you're all good. But that's that's what I noticed about these old films. And that's why I kind of rag on them sometimes. I see some things that are a little convenient and I noticed that in this movie, the guy is just not even dating the girl for two weeks and he proposes. I noticed that a lot with these old films. That like nowadays, if you're watching a movie, you just wouldn't see that. You wouldn't see people just starting to date for a couple of weeks and propose. Well, because that's a sign like of the time months. too. They did get yeah. married at the age of uh, 15, 16. Yeah. And and it, courtships were probably a lot less. And it took yeah. them three months to probably get to the castle. <laughs> it's not like a quick 45 minute drive, you know? <laughs> like, honey, I wanted to marry you at the beginning of this trip, but now that we're here, fuck off. <laughs> You got and, a sister? <laughs> and people wait nowadays. They wait to get married, and most of them are in divorce, like more than half in divorce. Back then, they're getting married right away, and apparently those marriages lasted longer. Isn't that weird? That's like food for thought. Frozen food for thought. <laughs> yeah, literally frozen food for thought. That, that, that's a line from The Haunting, by the way. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's a good line. Can't wait to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> here, here's what I don't get. The objective of the daughter being held captive. How long was that supposed to go on for? Forever? Indefinitely, until they could figure out what to do with her. Why not just kill her? Why not just kill her? I thought that it was going to come to that. I actually thought, because of how some of these movies have played out, because some of these movies break taboos. Actually, all of them broke taboos. I was shocked at those things. I was like loving it, because a lot of these movies had every ingredient that Dave wants to see in a modern movie, and we got them in these movies. So, where I'm going with this, though, is that I thought she was going to kill her virgin daughter as the ultimate sacrifice. Makes sense. And that well, was going to be like keeping her young forever. They did go there with it, but it was funny how it was, uh, not funny, but it was interesting how it was like almost Dobby's revenge. Dobby. Yeah. <laughs> Dobby. Dobby. You got me. Now you said Harry Potter. <laughs> Dobby. Captain Dobby's revenge was to, when she said, I need another girl, he brings her daughter. Yeah, yeah but here's the problem. Every day, she would have had to kill somebody, a virgin, every single day to sustain what she was doing. Because look how quick they went through her. That's the only problem. Like, it, it could be done. Like, if there was, if, if you had the opportunity, opportunity to marry somebody that was going to live forever, right, and stay young and hot forever, and all they had to do was put virgin blood on themselves once in a while, you just might do it because you're going to be rich. You're in that place. You don't care that she's really old. She'd be like, like, get that needle twice. away from me. Yeah, dude. Doesn't matter. Every day, you can't have somebody killed every day. That, that's, well, that's, that's the weird thing. That's the power dynamic. She was so powerful. You saw the the drastic uh, social economic divide between the poor and the rich, and the virgins and the whores. What a, <laughs> what a creeper or, or captor was though, eh? Yeah. yeah he, he was, was like licking creeper. his lips in every scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it took her how long? To figure out, all I got to do is seduce this guy, and I can get out of here. Yeah, and didn't even, <laughs> what did she? But it was do? such she a fumbled on the head. Yeah, that was that was a little fumbled. But man, I That's... really enjoyed this one. I did too. But again, it's it's one of those conveniences that you wouldn't see in modern film. 
back then, that's that's what I'm saying. That that's a little bit silly if you look at it, you know, objectively. You know, that's all I'm saying. And I have a good rating for it. I'm not shitting on the movie I, at I all. Have a rating for it too. I I like. I really liked everything. I thought it was. I thought once Emery found out that I was like, all right, well, he's obviously not going to go along with it, but I like the fact that the Countess now is bribing him, saying that she'll blame all the murders on him, and of course they'll believe her because she's she's the leader. And then all these bodies start turning up, and so he's kind of forced into marrying the Countess now, even though he doesn't want to. So he's almost like ready to sacrifice himself and and have uh, the other woman, that Julie... The uh, the countess's like assistant who knew everything from the beginning help uh, oh, yeah. to escape, and I just I thought it was a really well done scene how she doesn't leave and she kind of she sticks around because she wants to she wants to see her mother she she doesn't really she's not really aware of what's going on of how desperate it is yeah and and I was really surprised at the confession usually when someone's confronted in a situation like that. They, they bullshit, they say something else. So that's one thing they did differently when the Countess actually confessed as to everything that she was doing when she was confronted. That was... Yeah. I, I didn't expect that, did you? Not, not since they kind of set her up. Well, I guess, was she set up as a bad person? The only reason I'd say yes is because they ran over that guy right out of the gate. But, like, I, she sort of became evil as the, uh, as the movie went on. So, yeah, you don't really expect it from her character. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's unusual. Usually it's deny, deny, and then take advantage. But she walks in and she's like, yes, <laughs> here I am. The blood's on me. This is yeah. the truth. This is what it I'm even, It even leaves <laughs> that the last shot of the movie open for interpretation because of just discussing whether or not the Countess is somewhat changed by the end of this. I don't think so. I don't Not either. based on what I read, but, but you know, it's uh, it was really well done. I was so impressed with this. Yeah, and I like the ending. I like Countess Dracula. That whole yes. was cool. Yeah. yeah. Devil Woman, Countess Dracula. <laughs> we gotta wedge this title in here somehow. <laughs> the hangman is coming. The hangman is coming. Well that was it. It was like ding 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 and then end. So I'm not I saying like it, it. it's all it, it, it everything's tied up, more or less. It just could have had a bigger ending. True. Still minor a good minor quibble. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think let's we can see, like let's this. see how minor. Yeah. Seven out of ten. Ha! Huh. That's, I'm that's seven cool. and a half, and I thought you liked it more than me. I'm seven and a half out of ten. I liked it a lot more than both of you. I'm sorry. I'm an eight and a half out of ten. I right. really, oh. I was, I was really drawn into this one. That's good. Why are you sorry about that? I don't yeah. know why I'm sorry about this. Fuck you. You sorry sack <laughs> of shit. I'm, Cana- I'm Canadian now. I'm the Canadian <laughs> Lamont. <laughs> <laughs> No, man, nice. nothing to be sorry about. That's awesome. And yeah, no, yeah. A, a great Hammer movie. This was the last one I watched. So uh, it's going to be a first common one, theme tonight. Yeah. First one I watched, and I was it was a great start. Great introduction to Hammer Horror. Although I think I actually watched To the Devil a Daughter before. But, uh, ooh, that's slow. <laughs> yeah, I just fast-forwarded until I saw Natasha in her full frontal. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. Okay, so that's the first movie. Uh, we got a couple of triple R's we have to do, and we're going to split them up a little bit because we have two that were Patreon triple R's, and we'll do them, and then we'll save the other ones for afterwards. So uh, the Patreon triple R's are as follows. First of all, I got—I can't wait to say this because this goes back to an earlier topic, but <laughs> we have a uh, <laughs> all-access 
has been pledged by Matt Jankowski. You hear how easy that is to say, Matt Jankowski, J-O-N-K. Do you guys know that every week on fucking 22 Shots, they can't say the guy's name? <laughs> I think it's Janowski or, or Jabrowski. We're really or coming down on those 22 Shots. John <laughs> I don't mean to, but... Well, since JP's the only one who listens, JP, just call him Lamont. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, I mean, come on. J-O-N-K-O-S-K-I. There's no other way to say it. These guys fumble at every fucking episode. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, Matt. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Matt's in the house. Now, this is uh, Raphael, and I'm going to pronounce it Gardo. Maybe it's Gallardo. I don't know, but... G-A-L-L-A-R-D-O. Hopefully I was right on the first one. But he just signed up, and he's on the. Uh, he's able to pledge right away. His choice for Triple R, he says, I thought through films that I'd love to hear you three discuss, and I finally settled on one. It is Three Extremes from 2004. I know how much you personally love Asian horror and anthologies, so I think you'll get a kick out of this, and I hope Christian and Brandon will as well. So here we go. Three extremes for Raphael. Yeah. First of all, thanks, Raphael. This is, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, this is the second time I've seen this. And yeah, me too. I'm gonna say the same thing. They should have said they should have called this movie three extremely confusing tales that were shot beautifully, because that's what I get out of it. How about two confusing tales? How about one one pretty straightforward? One confusing, and then let's end it with the most confusing thing you've ever seen in your life. And I just say one confusing because uh, the, the I last rewatched one, right? the second one, and I think I got one of the questions that I was going to pose to you guys. So I'm pretty cool with that. Well, actually, one part of the question. There's still one mystery there as well. So first let's point. get into it. This was a first time watch for me. Oh, really? Oh, so okay. I this is actually it. the sequel to Three Extremes. Even though this is three extremes, this I is know, actually three the extremes second one. two. That's the first one then. That came out in two thousand two. Yeah, I don't get it, but okay. maybe one was filmed first and then the other one was filmed. Yeah, I, I don't know. It gets very confusing. But the right. first story we're gonna do by uh, director Fruit Chan is Dumplings, and I, love I, never, that name. I never, I never saw the feature length film of this. They did a feature length of this. Yeah, and I figured, why bother? Because how much more can can be said about this? I think it's perfect as a short. Well, yeah, I thought it was really well done as a short. Sure, but it's like the Cantus Dracula idea. So there could be more. There could have been more layers to it. I don't know. Like, instead of rubbing blood all over them, they're eating dumplings of... I think um, it probably, it would have been... And again, I haven't seen it, but if I was to see a feature-length version of it, I'd want to know more about Aunt May. And I'm sure and that's, May, I'm sure May that's played by Biling. She's, yeah. I mean, she's could be hundreds of thousands of years old, and you know the origins of how this started. But the setup yeah. for this one is we have an aging actress named Mrs. Lee who wants to rejuvenate her youth and her beauty to attract the attention of her husband, and her husband's like cheating on her constantly. And you know, this is a straight up allegory for like obsession with like beauty and. and uh, and, and wanting to look younger because this woman, Mrs. Lee, she's gorgeous. Yeah, she is. I agree. She's gorgeous. I mean, but and so you, so is the other one. The other one's gorgeous, actually. actually oh yeah, by, by, is uh, she's she's so hot. It's the exact but, same theme of Countess Dracula, except she's old and haggard. But that's just because that's the, the realm they wanted to play in. But it's the exact same the theme. What expense would people go to to preserve their youth? 
even after they know what they're doing (laughs) yeah oh my god how many times did you gag during this one just once but it was great it's beautifully disgusting it's it's disgustingly beautiful it's actually what i wrote intense without being a bloodbath it's gory but it's not a bloodbath there's a lot of stuff left to your imagination but it is cringe inducing because it's things that are off screen but you know what's happening and you're just like it's also also sound design they added a crunch factor to the dumplings. Every time I heard that crunch, oh. sound, I wanted to gag. I was like, Ugh. "It's a yeah, sick so idea." Story is, I mean, I don't think we're spoiling anything. I think people, you kind of learn this pretty quickly that the dumplings are are made from aborted fetuses. Yeah. And I love the uh, the story they go into about how different fetuses are better and more potent and more flavorful and. Yeah, it's great. It sounds absolutely horrifying, and it is, but the way it's presented, it's not a freak show. No. By any means. And there's, I, I liked the whole cursed dumplings aspect. Yeah. Uh, I love that, but they, I feel like they abandoned it, and I'm wondering if this is where the feature-length film goes, because suddenly she has a fishy smell, itchy scalings flesh, and then that goes nowhere. So did I miss something? Because Aunt May seemed to be scratching as well. They never talk about her smelling like fish necessarily, but she seems to be scratching at something that it looks like it's dry or scaly flesh. And then there's that whole dinner scene uh, where she's going through it as well. And then we find out it's a cursed dumpling. So we explained it, but they never really seem, it seems to. Wait, did they, did they actually use the word cursed? I think they did. Because. Because okay, because what it actually what it was yes. and cursed uh, baby, yeah, okay, baby, not okay, cursed okay. A cursed because it was it, it was an incest baby. Yeah, it was the the fifteen year old girl who was raped by right. her father. Yeah, well, I was trying yes. not to say that as a spoiler, but it's fine. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's hard it's to like not spoil with these because I want to talk well, about sure. that and exactly. the fact that the fact that this I feel like the side effect maybe was was because of this was an extremely potent one because it was cursed and it was also a boy. Oh yeah, and they said and they don't. They, yeah, right. well, everybody right. knew that in Asian right. culture they don't abort boys. Right. Girls, throw them in the garbage. <laughs> yeah, that's another that's, girl. Throw it away. Yeah. So that's right, interesting because yeah. then I wanted, I wonder if they go into that a bit more so because it kind of happened. They had the dinner party and then it was kind of a done deal. They didn't really go into it anymore. I thought it was going to be like something that was going to be chronic, uh, and that they're going to come back to, but they really don't. Because at that point, every, you find out the story of what happened to the 15-year-old girl. You find out the story of what... Um, uh, and then Aunt May kind of uh, gets the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> and, and then the other girl's left high and dry to make her own. And that is like a very haunting final scene. Haunting, my that favorite is. term. But, but a tastefully done horrific scene. Yes. Like if it was done any other way, it would have been like, okay, this is gratuitous and nasty and pointless. Like how I feel about um, Aftermath. That short film. Yeah, I remember oh. you talking about I, that. I hate that film. But this was really well done and says something. And it's just like, oh, my God. It's cringe. Cringeworthy. It's tough to watch. It and is. I li- but I like it. But that's where I'm saying I get – they're all confusing to me. This one goes along at a normal pace. Everything's fine. Then at the end, all of a sudden, I get confused because all of a sudden, there's the bleeding. And I understand what's going on with that baby and why. And, and I get that. But then all of a sudden, you know, they had the scene with the, the, a tissue on the bus. And, uh, here's a tissue, which is a little funny that they're going to yeah. use a tissue to fucking wipe up that. But they do <laughs> that, you know, and then you see her in the tub. Then when you see, like, a husband 
killed a wife or a wife killed a husband. It's flashing these two people that I didn't know who it was. That was the mother of the young girl who was yeah. raped. She, 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 so okay. the abortion she went wrong. She's dying from the from from something like a, the failed something happening from yeah, the, the result of the abortion. And okay. then she goes to get to see Aunt May. Aunt May's being investigated, I guess, because they've tied it to her. So she's got the hell out of Dutch. So she takes off. The cops are there. The main character is seeing this all happen. So she's like, I'm fucked. But meanwhile, she finds out that she's pregnant. So she goes home to give herself an abortion and eat that. And eat it. See, I got confused because all of a sudden. Spoiler. I saw the... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, straight up spoiler. But right, that was well, the saw... potency of, of, that, of that cursed dumpling. It actually got rid of her infertility, but she oh, was yeah. willing to sacrifice her own baby just to preserve her youth, yeah. which is so fucked up. And yeah. That is fucked. But like, I saw Aunt May get ready to leave, and I didn't know why. Like everything happened at once. It went from a, a scene from bleeding on the bus to freaking a murder scene, which I didn't understand well, what happened. Well, that was the reason, got of, the reason she got out of Dodge is the mother evidently told the police, "My daughter died from having an abortion." done by Aunt May at this location and they were there, you know, arresting her for killing the husband. And you got all that based on what they showed us in the film. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I did not. Yeah, okay. That one that one was me. pretty easy. No, I mean at first I was like, okay, who's that? Then I kind of pieced it together cuz there weren't too many characters in this one. Right. Do we want to rate by segment or just rate nah. overall? Just rate overall? Yeah. Cool. Okay. So the next segment that we had was by Park Chan Wook, and it is cut. And this was an interesting story. I loved it. It was probably my favorite until the last fucking five minutes, and then I got completely confused again. Did you get confused by the location all of a sudden yes. where they were? Yeah. Yes. I, Me well, too. I, I wrote this down. Fairly straightforward, but leaves a couple of questions. Love the reveal of the little girl. And here are my questions, guys. A, so he left the film set to go home only for the cycle to take him back to the film set? That's I one question. That. And then who the hell was that dead-looking girl sitting beside the director in that one shot when he's on the phone supposedly talking to his wife? I know he talked about driving one girl home and there's a talk about him having sex with another girl and whatever, but this girl looked dead in his passenger seat. No? I watched I it twice. And, and he's driving, and, and it's after he leaves the film set at the beginning of the movie, heading home. And he's oh, on the yeah. phone with his wife, and the camera pans back, and you see this girl sitting in the passenger seat, like, head to the side, looking like either she's sleeping or she's she was sleeping. dead. She okay. was sleeping. He gave her a ride home. She was, like, one of the assistants. That was the whole point of it, is that he's a successful film director, and he's, you know, he's good-looking. He's got a beautiful wife, but he's also super nice. Yeah. Super yeah. nice. Doesn't yeah. yell at any of his actors. But he mentions that, that he fucked that girl three times before he, he took her home. Well, we find that out later. Yeah, we yeah, find, yeah, that's yeah. ultimately what we find out because they're, he's taken hostage, him and his wife, in a sort of deadly home invasion type game so wouldn't by it one made of more his sense? extras. Wouldn't it make more sense to be at the house since he's waiting for him at the house? Why wouldn't they just continue? Yeah, She's already there? What? Or are we supposed to think, was that some sort of convention of the filmmaker to say everything's a set and yeah you know okay. what i'm glad you said that because that's kind of how i was starting to take it they were definitely he, he was definitely at his house and that's where it, it took place but it, it all kind of blended into one and you saw even certain shots were similar to the film in which they were making and that guy was there remember in the beginning when he was making his film that vampire girl was sucking that guy's neck and he was yeah. frozen then later on, the guy's in that guy's house, which ends up being a set anyway. So that was just so weird. 
But see, I think that hurt the film. I understand maybe artistically why he did that, just to be fucking weird or maybe meta or make maybe maybe even making some type of statement about art imitating life. I don't yeah. know. But I was so on board with the freaking like the first twenty minutes of this one. I, I loved it. And I'm not usually a home invasion type of guy, but this I think was set up perfectly. There was it, it was just and un, I've seen it before, but I forgot this one for some reason. And this time around, I loved it. And it's very unconventional for other Asian cinema that I've seen. I don't see a, a, an Asian home invasion type thing. It's usually not psychological this way. Well, I love the motive. I love the motive behind yeah. this. Yeah. The reason why this guy's doing it. It's, it's, I've never heard of anything like it. That, yeah, the motive was, cool. was great. And, and what he wants him to do is not traditional in, like in, in the home invasion or... Uh, torture style movie i will rephrase uh, from saying torture porn because it's not that at all it, it, yeah. he's he's just psycho and i love when he says that's not a confession he, he tries to tell him to confess to something and he confesses to like not liking a, a filmmaker's use of actors or whatever. i can't i can't remember but yeah, it was he, like, was, so, he was sabotaging that other filmmaker yeah. by telling his friends not to be in his yeah. movies and, and he's like that's not a confession and he tells him what he did to get there and everything else and i was like whoa like your mouth drops just hearing the story that guy who played the madman perfect oh yeah perfect yeah and, i love this his dance number also oh yeah the, the ending i think kind of works with it too i watched it for the second time and when it switches to that two-dimensional, like everything's a set and everything seems to sort of fold on top of one another. And, uh, you know, people are cardboard. Like he even has that visions, the memories of his wife is like looking like a cardboard cutout and everything like that. I think what we're, I think he's trying to say in his mind, he kind of, everything kind of switches. And I think he's trying to convince himself at the end that he's uh, choking the girl, quote unquote, and uh, it's really his wife. And that's why he keeps calling back to his wife to make it seem it, almost like in his mind, they switched identities. So the little girl that's on the couch, he's saying is his wife and he's thinking that he's strangling the little girl at that. Yeah. Point. I, I think that's, that's awesome. true. Awesome. I think that's true. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why they went with the whole set look towards the end. It's almost like a psychological break from reality yeah. that his worlds have just collided into one because i read one theory where somebody said oh the kid is evil and has uh you know powers know, is it telepathic or telepathic powers or mind control powers whatever uh, i'm like i, no, I can't you can't no. read into that from from what they present to you there no i think they would... i didn't i didn't think it was even an, a thing i, I thought, just thought wow. he was so traumatized and delusional and the whole point of the story is that no matter how perfect everything seems everyone has their fucking problems and Yet... and and they came to the surface Yet the girl did utter, I, I will have my revenge or I, I will seek my revenge. And, and she did. She had the revenge yeah. at the end of it. We don't see anything happening to her. Yeah, but but I don't her, think it was supernatural I, I, I'm at that point. There's a spoiler here, guys, that I'm avoiding. So that's why. No, but, I, yeah. I don't think it's supernatural, though. I think it's more of making the point like you've ruined my life. I will have my revenge. And then it's like, oh, God, how, how did this get to this point? No, no, that's exactly how I took it. But then yeah. you're talking about that theory that you read, and I'm like, well, funny enough, yeah. <laughs> it could. I maybe it, it does and work. It was that very way. popular reading that theory because people just took it as a straight up. I will have my revenge, and now, oh, you know, the the thunder starts and all this shit happens. I was definitely into it. I seen it a second time, but maybe back to back. I thought, well, I shouldn't say back to back. I watched it a week ago, and I revisited <laughs> it uh, this morning. Again, over breakfast. It was great. 
Did you watch Dumplings first too? No, no, no. Oh, okay. no. I watched Dumplings <laughs> last night, and then I wanted to watch each one individually and just see how they worked like separate. I think they all work fine as individual segments as well. <clears throat> you should have watched Dumplings while you were like eating oh. eggs. Yeah. You know? no. <laughs> that would work, I think. And the guy who played the lead in this, not the uh, extra who's the psycho, but the the husband is uh, the star from I Saw the Devil. Right, and he's great. He yeah. is terrific. He is a terrific yeah. actor. Yeah, definitely. There was another thing that was weird because he's a very good-looking guy, and at the end, when he's choking the shit out of his wife to the death, his nose, <laughs> his nose looks like it's peeling or something like that. I don't know if it was just bad makeup or if it was purposely done because he's fine throughout the rest of the movie. And I noticed this both times I watched it. And again, first time watched rewatch, and he's choking her, and it's like his nose is kind of like peeling, and it's like almost like his face is a facade. And maybe because he was talking about her and the plastic surgery, I don't know if, if I'm reading into things, but it was just something. Oh. Another layer there that was really weird. I'm like, why did they do that makeup on his nose? Maybe he ate a bad dumpling. (laughs) Did it smell fishy? The crossover story? Yeah, there we go. It was a fishy scaly. (laughs) I can't add anything more to that because I don't know if I did just read into that more. But uh, it was just a weird weird thing. I I, I don't – it lost me. I was so so into it. And then as soon as the reveal about the location happens and then a minute later – he says, well, that's not my wife. That is, or something happened. I got completely confused, and the last five minutes I was checked out because I was frustrated. So I really enjoyed it un- until the end. Another confusing one for me. What? And, I'm yeah, sorry. I should watch it again. Yeah, I mean, I tried to look at it just straightforward. At this point, we're inside our lead character's mind, and everything is just broken and destroyed, so it wouldn't be coherent and linear and make any sense so that's how i took that you know the last five minutes whose mind the killer or the victim the victim look he okay he just tried to choke out the kid twice and yeah. thought he did it and he and, and and was insane and then he finds out now the guy does think he knows already from his reaction but his wife is having an affair and i think it was him just saying, because as he's uttering the words back to him, I, I can forgive it. I can forgive it or whatever. I, I don't think he can. And that's why he's trying to picture that it's that kid again. And he's choking the life out of him, the wife. I think he just mentally switched the characters so that he would forget about it the next day. He's not killing his wife. He's killing that little kid to save everything. That's how he's getting himself through it to, to end it all. And then the next day, you know, quote unquote, he'll be fine. Huh. Wow. Interesting. I didn't think of it that way. I like that though. Certainly thought provoking. Wow. <laughs> well done. All right. Well, let's get to the last one, which is the, by far the most confusing. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's uh, it's Takashi Miike, and that explains he's, it. he's he's always confusing, <laughs> and it's called Box. It's like a David Lynch, I kind of find it. It's it's very there. There's probably a lot more layers that I didn't didn't even get to. It, it plays out like a dream slash nightmare. It's just one continuous stream, and we have Kyoko, who's our lead character. She's a 25-year-old novelist, and she just keeps having nightmares of her past experience as a performer in a circus with her twin sister when she was 10. Yeah, was he related to those girls? Because why would they be there at that age? Were they slaves sold to this guy or something? That's what I was confused about. Why would two 10-year-olds be working at the circus and living there just with this strange man? I think I read somewhere that, that he's their benefactor. I hope it wasn't oh, her really? dad <laughs> of what happened. No. <laughs> no, it couldn't have been a rel- no. I mean, it could have, but <laughs> no, it, it wasn't played off that way. 
Even he could have been a pervy uncle, but he wasn't, I don't think. You know what I mean? It was almost like they were married to the circus, as am I. And, <laughs> and he was like the ringleader. And they had this connection and bond. And, and that was it. Like they, the, Hey, it's called The Box. The music sounds like a music box throughout. They're two ballerinas. There's a lot like that stuff. The whole dream, like you said, it's a dream. She's sort of telling the dream. Again, I had to watch this twice. And like, I'm probably peeling one layer back. And I, there's probably so much more that I'm missing. But the death is what has haunted her. And mm-hmm. I guess through memory and guilt, she's trying to relive this. And that's what's keeping them connected. And then at the very end, he, you know, re- they, they reconnect. And she and he kills the surviving sister who's now in her 20s. And as he says, together, a perfect pair. And then they're physically connected, literally connected at the end. Oh, boy. For the literally. reveal. And it can't be anything else than some twisted nightmare dream because the fact that she's still uh, been preserved at a young age on one end and she's at the age that she was killed at the other. So, so you think it's still a dream at that point? It has to be. Even right? they say it's reality. She says it's reality, but it can't be. <laughs> well, that's Why would the, that you know, place still fucking be there in the middle of that place? The tent's still going to be there and nobody's there? It's just going to happen to show up no, and that guy's going to happen? Nightmare, but the part where we're, it's revealed that they're conjoined, I'm like, okay, this is reality, and they're both dreaming and having nightmares, and their nightmares are kind of messing with each other, and, and, and it's all becoming one big jumbled mess. But like Christian says, like, why is one not preserved? Why is one preserved as a 10 year old and one still 25 year old? I, I think they're connected and reconnected in like limbo or in death. And that's how they're preserved. And that's how so I read think, into it. Maybe she did kill her sister. And then the end is just a big reveal that uh, she's still carrying her around like she carries the guilt. The guilt. That That's how I took it both times, because this is this was the most confusing one to me, Dave, as well. Definitely. And yeah. there was one other line that I fucking didn't write down. I let, I wrote together a perfect pair, and he said one other thing, essentially, the, of them being together uh, again. And... But he didn't really – you know what, though? He didn't He didn't molest, molest uh, Shoko. You know, I think we were kind of hinting that he was kind of like no. a creepy guy, but he really wasn't. I, he, think I don't it's, know. It, he was sleeping with her. Just yeah, he was just sexually. laying there, but that was it was completely like – Michael it, Jackson. It it didn't strike me as anything <laughs> sexual. It just struck me that he was sleeping, she was sleeping. Like, that's yeah, it. Why would he only pick the one girl, not the other? I don't think he did. I think it's more of a perception. No, because remember, the the one girl was given um, something and the other one wasn't. Remember, she said, oh, oh I know the, you'll the get nec- one. The trying. necklace. But I, I feel yeah. like but it's weird because they did the exact same routine. The exact same routine. So that's why I'm thinking, like, the dreams aren't aren't making sense it doesn't, but it's beautifully and shot, and it it's is. interesting, you know? <laughs> well, he, yeah, he's an interesting but, director. I mean, you can't deny that. All, all three of these movies are done beautifully. But I, I feel like there's something there because of the fact that Higata and Yoshi are the same person also. I, I, didn't, get, I didn't get what that was trying to say. Like, here he is. It, it, he's their benefactor, and he's running the circus, and it's it, it's he's being hard on them, and then he's this loving, sort of carefree publisher i i I don't know i was i was i I was confused this is what i i I love talking about this stuff i would like to hear people chime in on facebook page as well and just your thoughts and theories on on what you think there's obviously is it there to make sense or are we trying to make it make sense (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think it does make sense, and I just think he's that type of director. He just puts beautiful things on there, fucked up things, and it doesn't make sense. Because I've watched freaking, I mean, I love Audition, and I've watched that movie like five times or six times, and I want to make sense of it, and I just cannot. I want to be able to explain it away and say, well, this is this and this is that, but I just honestly think that it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard for me to say this is my favorite it might be the best one, but it's the most confusing, so I can't really say it's my favorite because I'm not really sure if my interpretation is correct or if there is a correct interpretation. I think they're it, all it doesn't really have good. to be connect correct. Sorry, connect. <laughs> I'm still on the connect. Uh, it doesn't have to be correct. If you, if that, that's what. At the end of the day, this is what we do, right? This is it's about our interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. It got it got really out there for me when when Kyoko was being buried in her own box, and I'm like, okay, so. Everybody's trapped in their boxes. They're suffocating. They're claustrophobic. It's symbolizing their desire to be free of one another. So that's when I was like, okay, they're conjoined. So they're that's that's the reality. And this, their dreams are kind of their suppressed desires to be separated from each other. But then you see one young, one old, and you're like, that can't well, be. They're connected <laughs> through death. They're connected again through death because they have that scene of them as twins or conjoined. And you're like, what the fuck? And it can't be, as you just said. And it's yeah. through death because then he throws the shovel down uh, on the grave that he's filled in in the snow. And so they're so, kind of stuck in this purgatory now, where they're. I think whether it be purgatory or whether it be heaven or whether it be hell, they're they're connected again. Would it be heaven though if they're connected? Wouldn't it be hell? Because they, the desire to be separated was there. Well, they woke up together and they seem to be kind of, uh, you know, happy to be together with one another. That's so, true, but they both had bad dreams. I'm making myself more confused. Yeah, I'm making <laughs> myself very confused. I'm even more confused now, but I, like you said, all three were really well done. Yep, yeah. and maybe maybe Raphael has the answers, and she's the yeah. one that, that put this up to it. Maybe he is, you know, has a little bit of expertise in, in the film and the theories, and who knows? So, Raphael, if you do have any information you'd like to convey, whatever, message message yeah. me or us or whatever, or, or email us, you know? Hey, email us your thoughts on Box. Yeah, box. Or all of them, for that matter. Guys, yeah. I, I again, first time watch, and I did, like I said, I did watch it twice, but I hope this doesn't sound like I'm coming in too low because I did really enjoy this a lot, but I gave it an 8 out of 10. That's okay. not too low because I'm even lower just because of, I, I, I can't make sense of things enough, but I really enjoyed it. And for me, I'm like a, uh, I'm like a seven and a half. So. Yeah, that that's where I am as well. Seven and a half. I kind of had everything in that seven to eight range. Good stuff. Good oh, stuff. really good film. I'm I'm, I'm glad it was uh, suggested. Yeah. Yes. Thanks, Raphael. Absolutely. Thank you. So, one more, one more, and this is this was Ryan Pascal, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, who who joined, and then uh, one month after, he already leaped up to, uh, you know to the next one wow so this, yeah yeah so he, he jumped right up so i'm like yeah yeah what do you what do you want to watch and he's like uh 19 this is what he says um let me try to do this i'm a dedicated headite now i'd love to hear your opinions of the haunting from 1963 it's the sort of ghost story i love with oodles of atmosphere and spooky lighting and still gives me chills today hope you guys enjoy it as much as i do thanks ryan this is ryan pascal so here we are, The Haunting. I'm really, really curious because we talked a little bit in chat throughout the week. And these two gentlemen made some comments. 
and I'm interested to. to I've see seen what... this. I've seen this before as well. Same as I. This was. Was this a first time watch for you, Dave? Yes. Okay. I've owned it for years and never got around to it, and this was hmm. perfect because when he brought it up. I'm like, look at that. I think it just arrived on Shutter or something. I don't know why. I saw it come up recently. I was like, I think I'm gonna watch this movie, and then I didn't. And then like two or three days after, I got the message from Ryan. I'm like, great. Ultimately, though, I didn't watch it on Shutter. I watched it on my DVD because I was able to utilize a little 1.5 action. When nice. I, was... I have I have a description of this that's pretty common, but I'm going to add a little bit to it. And it's style over wasted substance. Meaning there was substance there in this story that I really wish they had dove into more. But I felt like it was wasted. And this movie, just for some reason, I mean, it's it's a little bit longer than your average horror movie at almost an hour and 50 minutes. But it's just the pacing was just dragging for me. I, well, and yeah, I, I hear you, man. A lot I of just, dialogue. A lot of dialogue. That's that's fine. I'm not I'm not opposed to that. And I, I'd seen it before and I remember being higher on it. So I was really looking forward to to this. But I felt like like there were so many interesting things about some of these characters and they never really got into it enough and i i mirror pretty much everything you said i remember loving this and wanting to revisit it and i just haven't so it was a perfect excuse to revisit it look i love the innocence we all reviewed it i think we all came in pretty high with it when we did it yeah season one <laughs> uh this movie has dated poorly now but before ryan you go crazy go what are you talking about I'll, let me explain the movie is absolutely beautiful to look at. A beautiful black and white film. The house itself is menacing. The architecture, the film work, all masterful. Yeah. How masterful. about that whole the whole idea that the house is built on like just slightly off angles? That yeah. that was really that was really cool. Also, well, almost like the Winchester. In the sense, I mean, not to that same extent, but that that type of idea. From a cinematic standpoint, I said I can't compliment the production enough. Yeah. Beautiful to look at, and 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 that good old school like cinematography and haunting ghosts and whatever the shadows beautiful so my problem here and at least for me anyway is that it's horribly dated as I, I mentioned and what i mean by that is yes i know it's old i know it's from 63 what i'm saying is because that would have been fresh back then and this is totally not fair i i, I could already hear people going what the fuck christian but it's that every damn haunted house and poltergeist movie that followed used everything that was created or not even maybe created but used in this movie and upped it and we've seen it verbatim and they've become tropes and i'm talking about the loud noises the slamming doors and this and the other thing that by going back to revisit this film it ultimately feels like i've been like well i've been there done that and even though this is old i i, I just it, it's so ho-hum i i just couldn't help feel disconnected and ultimately uninterested in what was happening I felt I, like I felt like things lingered too long. I felt like the banging lingered too long. I felt like some of the shots lingered too long. I felt like everything was just like a few seconds longer than it should have been. Well, it's two hour, two almost two hours, an hour and fifty one minute, whatever it may be. And they and again, the old could have t trimmed a good ten twenty minutes out of it. And I don't think you would have lost the idea. And I don't know if you were Brandon when you were uh, going on about what you wish it dove into. But I think they tried to suggest it because the, the screenwriter really wanted to make it seem like this might have been her nervous breakdown and all about Nora's nervous breakdown and all maybe in her head. But the actual author of The Haunting of Hill House, uh, Shirley Jackson, said, oh, that's a nice idea, but this is a ghost story. 
damn straight. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. He should be. Fuck that psychological shit. Yeah. In fact, yeah. in fact, that whole, in fact, some of the haunting, specifically the writing on the wall, I just was like, oh, Nell wrote that, but, but whatever. Like, it's it's still a ghost story. That was the only part where I thought maybe it was a, a psychological breakdown, but that was, but I only entertained that idea for like a split second. Man, I didn't know Shirley Jackson wrote this. The, the actual novel. Yeah. Yeah, no relation to Lamont Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you feel like the setup was very quick? You know, Hugh Crane. It's you know, it's the Crane house. He built this wife. He built this house for his wife and his daughter. His wife crashed on the way to the house and died. I I love it, but it felt like so quickly. Like let's rush. Abigail lived in the house. Her her caretaker died and hung herself and her shoes fell off my shoes fell off (laughs) (laughs) how about the second the second mrs crane the second mrs crane who fell down the stairs did you see the look on her face as she (laughs) fell down the stairs i nearly lost my shit that was one of the three funniest things in the movie that the other woman's shoes falling off and there was one point where nell pulls a terror train and she starts dancing and gets entwined in curtains (laughs) yeah you know what they're reminding me of not even terror train Remember that to all a good night when that chick at the end started spinning yeah. around for that's what I yeah dude yeah that but was it I love the the setup I mean Doctor Markaway he you know good character Russ Tamblin kind of a throwaway character but he was there for the comic relief yeah uh, Luke and you're uh, all great I thought but, but I really wanted to, I wanted more dialogue with Nell and with uh, Theo because Theo, Theo was so hot. Gorgeous. She has these oh. tele. She has these genuine telepathic powers. Nell clearly had some sort of poltergeist story from a childhood where it rained rocks in her house for three days, and then Carrie kind of just thrown it away for. What did you say? What I say, Carrie. The fucking yeah. raining rocks in the house. Exactly. I thought of that too. It's crazy that it was so well made that I was forgiving of something. The pace was just a pace. That was my problem. I was just I was just like, oh, this is this is going on a little bit long. But I'm not saying it was devoid of of scares or entertainment. It was creepy. I don't I don't know maybe I'll I wouldn't say it was scary. That part has left and maybe the nostalgia of of childhood if I if I thought it was a, a like sorry, if I thought it was really scary back in the day, maybe that would have carried over like it did for me with the innocence. I didn't think it was really scary, but there was enough creepiness. And, and again, it's just the masterful filmmaking here that it I was. that I really liked. Very homage to us. Uh, Go. Well, <laughs> I thought so. First of all, they use the name Crane, and second of all, the uh, the whole idea that Nell is escaping and and kind of running away, looking back from a bad situation, is very similar to to Marion. Ah, you know what? I fucked up. I was thinking of the. I had the years reversed, so I was gonna say nope because Slicko wasn't made yet, but it was three years old. So my mistake. I I, I switched oh. the years. Oh, okay. <laughs> my bad. That's oh, no, that's okay. I. <laughs> if I'm wrong. wrong, I'm wrong, <laughs> You're wrong. Wrong, sir. Wrong. No, no. no the novel was written though. It just it lacked it lacked something in the story. It just lacked something. No, I, I know they. I, I'm there with you. I thought I was going to come in here and I thought we were going to be talking about something that was going to ring a nine or ten out of ten for me, and I, that's why I think I was like, "What?" So there's a couple of scenes there that I do remember from in my psyche from being younger, but it just didn't have that wow factor. Exactly. Exactly. The 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 one scene that still gave me the creeps was when the uh, trap door opens and Mrs. Markaway's face is there. <laughs> like, Which is crazy. Like she. Totally Lord of the Flies up there. She went crazy within a day. 
Yeah, right. No shit. It's it's like what do you call it? Megan's Law or, or what's that that movie? What's that movie we talk about? Uh, Gerald's Game. Sorry. Gerald's Game. Three <laughs> hours later. I'm like Megan's Law. What's Megan's Law? Megan's no. <laughs> How quickly she fell off the fucking wagon, that girl. She went batshit crazy in fucking Gerald's Game quickly. But anyway, I have a different experience. Yeah, I want to hear. I, you haven't said anything. I want to hear what you guys yeah, say. Sorry. No, I, I think this is. 63. I don't know. When did The Innocence come? When did these other films come? When did House on a Haunted Hill come later? Correct? Innocence if I'm not was, Innocence was before. That was probably the oldest movie that we did, if I remember correctly. The Innocence. And Dead of Night. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me apologize for Dead of Night again. Hugo was scary. <laughs> I liked Hugo. Funny enough, <laughs> The Innocence was only two years before. It was, it, it was 61. I actually thought okay. it was a little earlier than that, but no, 61. I think this is trendsetting. I think that it was ahead of its time. Like, the haunted history stuff, yes, it was rushed, and I, I wouldn't have minded if we had a half hour more of that and a little bit less of the getting to know you amongst the characters. That would have been cool. I feel you guys on that. But I think it was ahead of its time in, like, so many ways. Like, a after this movie was made, I, I can see the impression that it made on other films that came after. And I, I have to give it props. It actually kind of reminds me of a giallo, uh, in certain ways, it's the way it looks. The uh, the strangers meeting for the first time, like they did in House on a Haunted Hill, and like other mm -hmm. horror movies after, I think was originated here. At least to my knowledge, I don't know. But House on a Haunted Hill came out in '59. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I'll say that then I'm wrong. Okay, I thought it was later. But they're oh, two different type of movies. House on a Haunted Hill is more gimmick gimmick related, William Castle style, and I yeah, think I this know. was trying to be more of a serious horror film. But this is what I was trying to say. I, I, I hear what you're saying, Dave. And I, I know I cut you off here, but I agree with you from the trend set. The downfall is going back to revisit it. This one is so dated that I found that I wasn't like, I was like, oh, yeah, loud banging. Okay, great. I've seen it a thousand <laughs> times now. I like that. I, I, you know, it's definitely trend setting in, in the sense that that, le that less is more approach, you know, the, the banging, the more psychologically, like not knowing what's there, not seeing it, not necessarily hearing it. Like, is there something I'm missing out of the corner of my eye? That type of thing. It's really more more scary than if they have, you know, jump scares and, and floating ghosts around the house. But like you said, I just needed more more character stuff. And they tried to get into it more with Nell and, and, and Nell's backstory, especially her story with her mother mirroring what happened yeah. with, with Abigail, which I thought was interesting. I just felt like there was a, a lot of filler, maybe too much with the banging, too much with the rubber doors. Like, it was great, don't get me wrong. Oh, see, I, want... I love the rubber doors. That's I love I'm the saying. rubber door, but it's like, instead of giving us 10 minutes of them laying in bed screaming at that banging, <laughs> give us give us more Dr. Markaway and Nell talking. Give us more Nell and Theo. I wanted more dialogue. More dialogue? Yeah, so I, I wanted so. more more backstory. I really wanted to get to know these characters even more. Wow, I thought we had entirely... That's my complaint. It was entirely too much dialogue, I thought. I was oh, more see. content with the other shit. I didn't have any, any, I liked all the characters too. I liked every character in the film, which is unusual. And, and what's his name? Tamlin. He was funny. He's like, the only one way to argue with a woman. Don't. He's funny. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. He had like two or three good, like one liners. And the guy said food for thought, frozen food later. There was a couple of things. The creepy laughter I thought was great. I was into, and then there's some shots made in this film that for 1963, are surprising. They actually remind me of some of the shots that that Raimi did in, in, in the first Evil Dead. Yeah, just just weird shit. And, and the, the way yeah. 
showing the house from different angles and doing cool things like that. I was into it. Granted, because you guys told me that it was kind of slow, I had my trusty freaking PlayStation, and when I saw things slowing down, I would put on the, the captions, and I would 1.5 it. And that's not an insult to the movie, because I do that for... I did that for, like, maybe 20 slashers I watched. I have found a way... Like, I used to say I only use 1.5 when the movie starts to suck, and, and I just want to get through it, but I, I want to finish it at the same time. Now I also use it for other means, too. I, it's just, It started with me listening to podcasts at 1.5 and getting used to hearing that. Now I can actually watch movies on 1.5 as long as I put on the, the captions so I don't miss anything in the dialogue. Yeah. So, I'm getting a little used to it. So I'm not insulting the film by saying that I went back and forth with the 1.5. So maybe that helped. Maybe that helped my experiences because you guys kind of prepped me for it, saying that it was pretty slow. <laughs> maybe. Uh, yeah, no, it it was it was kind of slow. It just it felt like it had good ideas on both ends from a haunted house story and from giving you this, this aspect that it might be a psychological breakdown, but it didn't blend the two stories enough. I thought it was perfect and self-explanatory, 100%. She kept I saying, it... the house wants me, the house wants me, over and over again. You know shit's fucking afoot here. She wasn't imagining it because other people were experiencing it too. And when the shit went down at the end, it all made perfect sense. And you know me, that's the ending I want. I think they gave it to us. I don't think there was any book. Because the girl why, even said. Why do you think the house wanted no? I have no idea. I didn't read that deeply into it. I just figured the house just wants what it wants. You know? No, that I mean that's fine. I mean I just weren't specifically like why it wanted no. Cause she had nothing else. Cause she ha- had mm-hmm. a miserable life and she was in turmoil. Mm-hmm. And okay. Wonder. I mean that's fair. I'm not. I'm not even. I'm not arguing. I'm just genuinely asking. So. No, no. Yeah, cause th- I mean that was the only thing. Like I said earlier, when that writing was on the wall, where I was like, oh, maybe she wrote that. But then you know, if the house genuinely wanted her, maybe the house learned how to write in cursive. <laughs> 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 Bring no home. I don't know. I don't know, and I don't care. I'm glad that, that it ended the way it did. I'm glad that she had the premonitions, and we were with her for most of the film with her narration, and I like the way it ultimately ended. I'm not blowing the film. Believe no, the, end, the ending was actually really good, because Mrs. Markaway at that point confirms it, that, that it's a ghost story, that there was something in the car with her, that she didn't crash that car on purpose. No, it didn't. It wouldn't have made sense. It's just, I don't know. That's all. No, it would have, it would have totally given into the psychological story like oh she's having a breakdown she's just obsessed with this house whereas no she was really being called to this house yeah and i like it well i, I want to know how you got what, what are you guys rating it because i'm i'm I, we might be closer than you think <laughs> I, i'm super low because like christian says you could still recognize like the the great things that it does but i remember the first time watching this if you had asked me before i watched it again what my rating was for this i probably would have said like nine out of ten yeah same here but yeah. the pace really really hurt it for me and i just wanted a little bit more from different different aspects of, of the story and i give it a seven and a half out of ten <laughs> see i give it a seven <laughs> I said I'm not blowing it. Yeah. I said that's a good film. And I, I actually, a, and I actually came up hearing you guys talk because I was originally at a seven, but I came up a half a point because of some of the things you guys were saying. I'm like, you know what? That was good. All right, that makes sense. That's good. But yeah, well, it's just the just the pacing. Let me just break it down. You said it was fucking coma inducing. If somebody says that about a movie, I'm expecting a four. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, doesn't sound coma-inducing at seven and a half. Obviously, we Sorry. watch 
watch a lot of movies, so you know a four when you see a four. Like, I couldn't, in my right mind, give this movie a four. I'm in no rush to go back and watch this again anytime soon. I probably will at some point, but it's it's not a four out of ten. And I did fall asleep after the first, I think, 30 minutes, but that was just because I did put it on late the first time. But I said, I texted you guys, I said, oh, it's slow. And then you, and then you put coma-inducing. I said, yeah, I know, I hear you. But I mentioned all the great things about it from a filmmaking standpoint of, of the look of it. And there are still great parts to this movie. And I came in at a seven as well. I just thought if you, like Brandon said, Amir, exactly what he said. You asked me before, oh, yeah, that was a nine out of ten. No question. Well, this time, seven. There you go. It's only as and good guy, as the last and I time I watched it. A lot of people will be like, seven, you guys are fucking nuts. Like, absolutely. I hear that. Without a doubt. But I, you know I, what? I try to be as honest as I possibly can be and not be, oh, it's a classic movie. It's got to be a 10 out of 10. It That doesn't always happen. Like for Psycho, it did, but that's one of my favorite movies. Rosemary's Baby, it did, but it's another fantastic film. Like, I mean, it's another one of my favorites. It's just that there's a reason yeah. why some of them do hold up to that standard. Uh, this one for me was good. I'm glad we saw it again, and it was a good movie. Yep. Yep, right on. Cool. Right. All right. Well, that's the end of that section, Triple R's. We're going to take a quick break and then go to our second review. So, flips. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. I tell you, ladies and germs, that ghoul friend of mine makes me so crazy. She told me she thought she'd look good in something long and flowing. So I threw her in the Mississippi. Are you seeking discussion of horror on the small screen? Then look no further than Evil Episodes Podcast. Join your hosts, Mike Nyman, Brian Sammons, Jamie Sammons, and a large variety of guests as we break down all the favorites and not-so-favorites in horror TV. So grab a snack. And of course, be sure to grab and join us for Evil Episodes Podcast on the Horror Feeling Network and Legion Network of Podcasts. Next up is Twins of Evil from 1971, directed by John Huff. A religious sect led by Gustav Weil hunts all women suspected of witchcraft, killing a number of innocent victims. Young Kathy, Gustav's niece, will involve herself in a devilish cult and become an instrument of justice in the region. Wait a second, that's wrong. This is I read this directly from the B, and Kathy is actually Gustav's wife, <laughs> and it's actually Frida who they're talking about, Frida and Maria, who are the twins, and it's Frida who will involve herself in the devilish cult. I yeah. literally, I didn't even read this before. I just pulled up the B, I read it, but that's wrong. Oh, she blows. Yeah, it is wrong. But yeah. you know what? I just want to say out of the gate, director of photography, Dick Bush. <laughs> that was the guy's name, Dick Bush. Nice. The grade one in me was like. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Actually, probably grade it's three. Like, grade uh, three. It's like George Dick. W. Bush yeah. and Dick Cheney. <laughs> Dick, Dick yeah, Dick Uncle Bush. Gustav, the great Peter Cushing. Oh, man. How about it was so weird for me to see him in an evil type of role. Yes. And I'll go a step further. Talking about the Emperor. <laughs> weird, huh? See, Star Wars connection? And, yeah. Man, I dug it. Well, it's weird because he, he's evil in the sense of because we're watching it. But for the times, it's like there was so much like paranoia. He believes he's he's genuinely hunting and burning witches. 
he is, but I mean, he, he's very quick to call any anything a witch. Oh yeah, he sees a girl. Yeah, she was wearing the cross, which should have been like a uh, immediate sign that okay, this girl is is not with the devil. Wouldn't the cross have burned her? But no, he just pulls it off her and then sets her on fire. Done. And those twins, they oh, were gorgeous, God. eh? Oh man, God. Again, a couple things, Brandon. You know that like Fright Night was a homage to all the sort of the Hammer style vampire yes. movies. Yeah. But this one, this one with there's some imagery right from this movie that like just made its way into Fright Night. Yeah, like sure, the count. Man. Every every time the count opened his mouth, I was like, "This yeah. is Fright Night." It's it is amazing. It's great. Once again, I again say like a broken record, but it's layered with tons of atmosphere. You got the villages, forests, trees, horses, carriages, castles, cemeteries, folk, the 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 fo- folk, the smoke, the <laughs> fog machines. Everything's like you know coming up, like the moors and whatever. I love it. Torches. More nudity and lots of day for night photography that puts the burning to shame. Uh, <laughs> the burning almost seems like fucking high end uh, cinematography here. I mean, they use it because, you know, they wanted to get a clear picture to show you what was going on in the middle of the night. But people are like going out in the middle of the night. It looks like a, a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> in this movie. That's funny. Dude, this is my first one. So this is my very first Hammer horror movie. What a way to start then. I thought it was a good way to start. I, I, I very much enjoyed it, and I, I, I wasn't expecting the twins to be literal, and I was happy when it was. I was like, oh, look at this. Yeah, thing. I wasn't sure if it was like one woman playing the playing same parts or actual twins, and then I had to look it up. They were actual twins, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I thought one, I thought the bad girl, although I liked her more because Evil she was twin. the bad girl, and she, the, way, the way she acted, they were both attractive. But if you get right down to it, if you just show me a picture, I thought the good girl was actually prettier. I did too. That's funny yeah. you say that. I was immediately attracted to Maria <laughs> over Frida. Just on looks alone, but once things started getting rolling in, you know, the personality with perhaps I don't I know. There was like one scene it. of Maria laying in bed and her nipples hanging out. I'm just like, oh my god, I wish I was a nipple. Uh, what about what about that sex scene that cut to her stroking the candle? Like, yes, like, so like, sexy. Like, come on, you're like that's a oh. hand job right there. Oh. <laughs> she was like, oh yeah, look at this candle. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, she knew what she was doing. <laughs> this, this takes place in the town of Karns, Karnstein, and Count Karnstein yeah, is right. obviously the head. Just like in Countess Dracula, he's the head, so you can't really mess with him. But he's believed to be a worshiper of the devil. Yep, and he, and the, the whole town doesn't want to fuck with him. Yeah, because they'll they'll be put to death if they mess with him. But then ultimately, he sacrifices one of the girls who's in the play. He has his assistant, Diedrich, who sets up these, like, macabre plays. But he doesn't like the play, so he's like, get the hell out of here. And he's like, leave the girl. And then he just, it's like, I'll just fucking stab her and sacrifice her to, uh, to a past relative who evidently turned out to be a vampire. This Markala, who awakens and then turns Karnstein into a vampire. Yeah, then he disappeared. Why did that happen? Why did he come in there and then ch- turn him, and then we never saw from him again? Saw from the guy, The guy yeah. that turned him. It wasn't a. It was a woman. Okay, then it was a woman. Either way, somebody showed up. Yeah, and they Mark turned Collins, him into a vampire, yeah. and then we never saw that character. They turned him again. Yeah, I. I don't know why. She, why she wouldn't have stayed around. She evidently was was raised because it was her blood dripping into the tomb. It was her tomb that the girl was tied on top of. Yeah. Play, but whatever. I think the whole point is he's a vampire now, and he's supposed to, you know, carry on from there, doing the mm-hmm. devil's bidding. 
And, and that's where the other Fright Night reference for me came in. was like how the female, well, the I guess Frida the Vampire, like Amanda Burris in Fright Night, born a page. I think that's exactly what they're going after. The Twins of Evil vampire look. And that, when she got her hand burned with the cross, I'm thinking of Evil Ed's head with the cross. And it's exactly yeah. like verbatim huh. the same thing. And I was just like, I was like getting giddy watching what I would have assumed. I know it's one of many films that was inspiration, but seeing that inspiration play out, because I hadn't watched this one either. This this was a first for me for uh, Twins of Evil anyway. Like, like I said, yeah. the ones I'd watch were the Dracula ones and the, the Phantom of the Opera. So Twins of Evil, first time watch. And I loved it. And it's a fast paced movie. Like this is yeah. like, this, you got vampires, you got fangs galore. It's like, it, the fangs look uncomfortable because everyone's like, like, it's almost like they don't want them in their mouth when they're walking around. With <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This guy, this guy, this was kind of pretty simple to follow. Cause you had the brotherhood who were out just, just burning witches. You had, um, the vampires and you had, um, Anton and his sister. Um, I forgot her name, whatever Ingrid. And they they run the school, and he's sort of like a level-headed, rational person in this crazy times of religious fanaticism. And he's like, stop burning these innocent girls. Right. That's crazy. He's like, at at least test to see if they're evil. Put the cross up in front of them. Right, man. And he's telling them, he's like, you can't burn them. You can't burn vampires. It won't do anything. You got to decapitate them or stake them through the heart. Yes. Gore. We got gore in this one. And in the last eight minutes, shit hits, like, shit doesn't literally hit the fan, but shit hits the fan. Uh, The blood uh, flows in the last eight minutes. It goes crazy. uh, And this is probably, if you saw this one first, and then you're watching Countess Dracula, then then maybe you'd see what I'm, uh, uh, a little bit more of an idea of where I'm going. Like, they ramped it up for the final reel. And Mm. it's like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm talking about, you get like a burnt out eye. You get a machete to the head that that rivals Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead came out like seven years later. Uh, you get uh, the a good staking and a shocking beheading. Yes. Yeah, very shocking beheading. It was, it was like an unexpected death. Like I wasn't expecting that. I thought they were gonna kill the head vampire and save the day. Nope. No hesit. No hesitation either. Just yeah. grab grab her by a fucking head and just take it clean off. And I don't think right. it's spoiler to say that when the main vampire is defeated, because he's defeated, he gets speared and he's revealed to be something <laughs> even more frightening, and that's bald. <laughs> the first, oh, it, it first dissolve, if, yeah, the first dissolve is to be bald. <laughs> I like that dissolve they did. Yeah. That was creepy. Yeah, man. No, it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. But again, this one, I'm sure you can find some sort of uh, hidden meaning in the sexuality presented throughout the film. Maybe a sign of the times, the hidden repression. There's always been that in vampire esque films, but I thought it was pretty straightforward, and there was nothing wrong with it. It was entertaining from start to finish. I, I again, I'm very happy for the recommend. I that's my notes. I went through my notes. I blew through them. I thought I had a lot more written down, but I guess it was just more straightforward, but not in a bad way. Loved. It. Uh, there were a few funny things. I found it funny that Car- Karnstein was such a Karnstein. Karnstein, he like he's a Jewish attorney. I want to see Karnstein. I want to see Karnstein this week. Karnstein, he makes Frida go first when they're leaving. He's like, no, you go first. Like, like oh, you, yeah. you go, you go check out outside. And, yeah, <laughs> Shiver is dead at that point. Yeah, you go first. But there was one really funny moment right after Karnstein founds out, finds out that uh, that Anton told them about how to defeat the vampires. He bitch slaps Frida. Yes, and then picks her right up. Yeah, 
Like he's angry, just bitch slaps her for no yes. reason. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Leave Frida alone. What did she do? <laughs> but then he picks her up immediately afterwards. So it was like yeah. mixed signals. He was like, and then, oh, come here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Are you a nice guy or not? I mean, was, who the fuck does that? Usually if you oh, bitch smack somebody, man. you know, you're not going to get up and pick them up. At least not the right creepy, away. The creepy bodyguard, that big dude, the big black dude. Oh, yeah. What? Who couldn't speak or can only speak in sign language? Yeah. His name Lawrence? was Lamont. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was actually Joasim. Oh, 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 uh, Joaquin? Yeah, yeah. Jo yeah. Joaquin. <laughs> he was cool, though, man. Yeah, he, he was. was. Cool. He kind of just, like, blended in when he's, like, right out there just checking everything out. He was cool. See, when I look at my notes, one of them says, one of them says, didn't know he couldn't talk. Wasn't there something in this film that didn't make sense? Like, why wouldn't this character know already that he couldn't talk? Does that ring a bell to anybody? Maybe you're thinking the Count was like, speak up, Joaquin? No, I don't know. It's okay. I'm just like I said. Christian mentioned his notes. I was looking at mine, and they say, uh, why seeing double? Question mark. I also thought it was funny how non-hesitant Anton was to originally throw the spear when the Count was still holding on to Maria. And oh. one of the Brotherhood members had to be like, yeah. no, she's too close. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, he's the greatest spear thrower in was the it... <laughs> Fucking javelin over here. Did you, say, did you say your note was Y scene double? Yes, that, Y scene So double. that guy, that guy, I think it's because, I think they're just playing with that twin motif. But I don't know why he would see double there, because he sees her, and it does that, yeah. and it makes two of her. And I'm like, but why is he seeing double? Because he wasn't, at that point, he hadn't been attacked by her or drugged or anything so right that's of, what i'm saying it was a weird now that you mentioned that it was weird i also love after she was bitten she goes back to the house and this is for the audience's sake because she keeps admiring the fact that you can't see herself in the mirror right but if you can't see yourself in the mirror what the fuck are you looking at like hey there's me not in the mirror again <laughs> she knows she knows again. what she looks like yeah, yeah. i'd be, be smiling excited. too if i look like that <laughs> That's true. And I would be excited. If all of a sudden you weren't showing up in a mirror, wouldn't you walk in front of a mirror all the time just to just to fucking admire that? Say, oh my God, look, I can't be seen. Amazing. <laughs> it looked like you're looking at a window then. You wouldn't even know. And yeah, in it, terms of seeing the happy. double, in terms of seeing double, I think that was, uh, that was Dietrich. Not, not, that wasn't the, uh, the bodyguard, that was Dietrich, the one who sets up all the yes. plays. I think he, he was kind of lured by her. I think it was having to do with the fact that she's a vampire now and he's just, she has these powers. Oh, did the did the old Jedi mind trick shit, the vampire the old, Jedi ooh. mind trick. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that and is that, true. Like they can, I look into my better little goosey eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that works. I uh, have another note. Mrs. Switcheroo. Yes, the why, Switcheroo. <laughs> switcheroo, why didn't she speak up? So the girl had an opportunity when a switcheroo went. Someone had an opportunity to speak up to save yes, themselves, did. and they didn't. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck?" I I feel well. She was drugged, so I feel like even when uh, when this person is about to meet their demise, they're still kind of loopy. Okay. Because Anton has to come out of nowhere too. But I was thinking the same thing. Okay. I was like, just say something. Yeah. Hey, Unc, it's me. <laughs> hey, Unc. <laughs> the good twin. <laughs> I know what they should have done, honestly. What she really should have done in that situation was pray, pray. We've got to pray just to make it today. <laughs> Hammer. <laughs> Sorry. We wanted uh, we wanted music in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Hammer. I gotta put a get on my hammer references throughout we, the show. We know. <laughs> Shit. No. 
We can only do this one time. <laughs> I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, just more great set pieces, more great atmosphere, great acting, beautiful women, fast-paced. All these, all three of these movies that we watched were like around that hour and a half mark, and they moved. That's one good thing about them. That, that's that's sure. And you know, after Twins of Evil and Countess Dracula, that's two for two for me. Yeah, I was a oh, little yeah. higher on this one than Countess, and I was a seven point yep. five. I'll tell you what, I utilized a quarter. I went seven point <laughs> seven five. How about that? And I'm actually, I'm actually a tiny bit lower on this than Countess. I'm at an eight. Ooh, you wow. Go. Yeah, yeah I'm really, man, I'll tell you what. I got to give props to Derek, man. He picked good. I was really, I was really, I even told him, like, you, you did good, man. Look at I you. Was, you per- did us good, D. You done good. You done good, D. DB. Damn. You're on. D. You're pimping it. You're pimping hammer like freaking the two big MC did back in the day. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's a new style of horror that I hadn't seen before that I'm I'm really now getting myself into. Right on. All, All right. right. Well, then that's that. Uh, that's the second one. We're gonna do a couple quick trips, and then we're on with the uh, Vampire Circus to close it out. So, how many do we have for these trips? Well, I know you're covering a couple that I've seen, so I'm just gonna chime in and talk on yours with you. But uh, I only have one on my, of my own. Okay. Well. Yeah. What's up, C? No, I, I just have uh, one and then one that I think we're doing together. Okay, if you have one that nobody else has seen, go I ahead do. and do it. That's Inside. Okay. Inside right. 2018. Okay, this is not going to be short. I actually took a lot of notes. I rewatched it again because I wanted to, to come in fair. I watched Wait, hold mo- on. Let me, let me hit mute first. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> if you hit mute, that just means we can't hear you. It's perfect for I everybody. Know. It, it, it was supposed <laughs> to be a joke about not hearing you, but it didn't... Play out right. Fucking I don't know. brilliant. And I wanted to make sure I told everybody about that. <laughs> awesome. I watched this movie and immediately gave it a two out of ten. I said I'm a huge fan of the 2007 wow. French Extreme original, and I thought that was and this one was made for the hand that rocks the cradle, cradle crowd. Uh, I'm not obviously the target audience, but I decided to rewatch it to be way more objective. Objective, excuse me. Right out of the gate, we get a stat card that reads, In recent years in the U.S. alone, there have been over 306 cases of infant abduction. 10% of these cases happened when the mother was still pregnant. I mean, right out of the gate, I think this is a kick to the nuts. That's because <laughs> that was narrative play in the original film. You know, plot, story elements that we learn as the original movie plays out. Not something that's just handed to us in the platter right out of the gate. So I'm like immediately pissed off. I'm like, well, why would you put that? You're, you're pretty much telling everybody what the movie is about without them experiencing the movie. Setting it up with that stat card. I'm like, why? I didn't think it was necessary at all. But then we get something good. The opening card crash. I mean, it's nuts. It's almost overdone, but it's so it's so crazy. Definitely shocking to see. And the best part of it, there's no baby cam, like Uh, in the original movie. No angry baby banging on the inside? No angry baby. (laughs) We now cut to an ultrasound, and Sarah, the main character, is pregnant, of course, in a doctor's office. She states that she doesn't want to be cut open and prefers the idea of natural birth, which I laugh to because of the original movie. (laughs) Oh, I thought it was uh fun. Unfortunately, the doctor who's talking to her must be very happy that the filmmakers decide never to focus on him directly as his delivery is very forced and unnatural. He says, Merry Christmas, to let us know that it's like the original film and takes place around the holidays. Uh, And like the original as well, you would never know it because other than for a Merry Christmas here and there, 
uh, and a couple of carols playing on the radio. There's nothing Christmassy <laughs> happening around whatsoever in the film. Merry uh, Christmas. It's July, motherfucker. <laughs> you would never know it. My issue, again, is that the dialogue written sounds so unnatural when spoken by the actors. This has been a common thing for me recently. Uh, in, in this movie, again, there's one that's like, Sarah, no one, nobody teaches you how to be a good mother. You either got it or you don't. And believe me, you've got it. Sarah starts crying. <laughs> Sorry, don't be alarmed. I was bound to cry. It was just, it, it felt just <laughs> really odd dialogue and not delivered well. And that plagues the movie throughout. Another quick example would be when the cop zooms back up to the house and explains, I was just wondering about the name, meaning the name of the baby. Uh, it, it's just it's just odd dialogue. And when you watch the movie, you, you'll hopefully see what I'm talking about. Can it I just, ask one thing? Yeah. Can I ask one thing? Did they do zombie cop? No. And I'm going to get to it. So oh, okay. I, I, feel <laughs> di- I feel disconnected here from the dialogue. However, then the movie does add a new element that intrigued me, and that's the fact that she takes a bath. Not that part. But she's wearing <laughs> She's wearing a hearing aid. I said, but what pissed me off, though, is that it's a big honking white one that doesn't look anything like a hearing aid. It looks like a huge sound amplifier device that maybe would have been hearing aid size 20 years ago. Uh, and that bugs me because I'm in that industry. And it just it's like, well, if you want to kill the stigma of it, don't make it look like a big honking device because that's What's not that? what they're like anymore. She huh? wears a hearing aid. I know. So. Joke. All right. About not being able yeah. to hear you. Yeah. <laughs> it has been said a thousand times before. Uh, it. So <laughs> she, I love she, so she takes off the hearing aid while she's in the tub, puts it down, and then the sounds, of course, subside, and she just hears a heartbeat. And I thought that was really cool. But the downfall is they never use this device at all. They, I, they do use it, but a couple of feedback parts where it kind of whistles back to her or she lowers the volume, the potential is never fully realized. So it was a wasted opportunity, in my opinion. And then for the next little bit, the plot sort of follows the main or the original movie quite closely uh and that's where i said it enters the realm of remake hell and that is by staying so close to the source material and yet just being kind of a bland sterilized version of the source material i mean why bother at that point admittedly there are some okay moments throughout uh they remove almost all the comical aspects of the cops from the original movie there you go and surprisingly there is blood now, by no means does it go to the territory of Inside 2007, but, I mean, that was a French extreme film. So this one does deliver a couple of gory moments, and they're above average and, and practical and, and probably will be like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And if this wasn't a remake, you'd probably love it even more so. Just I think you know, you're going to shit on it more because it's a remake of that French extreme style. I said, but you know what? The movie's not all that good either. As mentioned, it plays out like a bland rehash and it's frustrating moments, like when pregnant Sarah has the upper hand on her attacker. She strikes out, knocks her down to the ground, only to stop when she hears some police officers talking downstairs. I said, so now the cop aspect is probably the worst part of the original, in my opinion. The zombie cop part. Yeah. That that probably is what takes it down that notch for me. Because I, I love that movie. It's in my top 20 of the millennium. I think I have it at number eight of the top 20 of the millennium for me, but that cop part is what knocks it down a point. And this one takes that all out. So I said, they seem to be on track, but then they fuck it up because a female cop comes in and it makes her go back upstairs with her to, to check out her, if her story is true, which I feel is, is forced. And then of course, when the cop goes to the fuse box, instead of just getting Sarah and getting the fuck out of Dodge. So that pot, that pisses me off. I know I told you it was long. I had a lot of notes here. 
the almost okay, lack but... of soundtrack in certain scenes also works against the suspense factor in the film. Honestly, we don't get much music until the last act. And I was speaking of the last act, it after almost following the original cue for cue, the new film now decides to shift gears and takes the action outside of the house, and we get a quick sort of car chase sequence that ends up having them crash down the street, and then they end up going into a neighboring house where she ends up finding out that the attacker has been living there, kind of spying on her and kind of plotting out when she was going to take place, I guess, when, uh, when this whole night was going to take place closer to Sarah's due date. And I'm split on this because I like the fact that they changed things up, but it makes little sense because the house is not finished. I mean, it's still under construction. So how long could she actually be there camping out, plotting this without workers noticing that there's somebody there and all these diagrams and, and, and everything hanging up on the walls? Maybe she's the head of construction. Yeah, maybe. We never get told that. <laughs> so then we have the final showdown, which commences with an unfortunately bad shitty name joke. Again, you have to see it to understand what I'm saying. There. That's the only part of the movie I did see was the ending. I yeah. specifically went to the end to watch, and I was like, "Fuck this!" And then, and, well, that that's the it's a fish out of water bad joke. She's like, she's trying to one up the killer or the attacker by saying, "Okay, well, what are you gonna name her? What are you gonna name her?" And I think she's just like Isabella. And then the heroine goes, "Shitty name!" And then attacks her, and they f- jump into the pool, and it's just p- a pool that's covered for the winter. And of course, they fall through the cover. So now we're metaphorically in the womb, and <laughs> Sarah defeats the attacker, and he needs to cut herself out of the womb, and, and is she's reborn. Effectively reborn, exactly. <laughs> so I tell when I sit in my notes, I go, "It's rather silly, and it feels very Disney esque, especially since she gives birth right after this scene." And then the sweepy music takes us into the final credits. So they change up that whole ending. And my initial rating, as I mentioned, was a 2 out of 10. And I screamed blasphemy and I, because I said I love the original so much. But you know what? I said, yeah, this is quote-unquote a watered-down version. It's not a bloodbath. Yes, I have problems with the delivery of dialogue and some choices made in the movie. Yeah, of course, it's an unnecessary remake. But then again, we've argued what remakes are really necessary. Yeah, they should have just remade it. I yeah, there you go. They should have just remade it, which we have the original. So I thought, you know what? I want to be as subjective and objective, sub both. I want to be both in this case. And <laughs> I ended up coming in at a five out of ten. I said the movie. I don't think fails, even though I want. I initially said it did. I think if I wanted to look at this fairly, it does a few things right, but not enough right. It's painfully average. Five out of ten. Hey, that was a feature review. That's all right. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it. I didn't watch the Cabin Fever remake. I didn't watch the remake of Martyrs, and I'm not watching that. I have no desire. I'm right there with you. I have no desire to see these remakes, especially when I hear right out of the gate that they're so bad. Well, dude, I'm even more careful than ever right now because this this will actually help us decide what we're going to talk about next. But I'm five for five on 2018 movies, so I'm rather trepidatious right now to watch another movie. So I'm sitting here like dropping words like trepidatious. <laughs> I, I almost watched this one and I almost watched this one. I'm like, no, I'm five for five. So now I'm like, I don't want to fuck it up. I, I want to keep making the right selections. So Tragedy Girls and Victor Crowley, we discussed them last show. So those are the two. The other three. Now, if there's one that I, I think there's one that I, I'm the only one that's seen it or saw it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what they are. Mom and Dad. The Ritual, and The Cloverfield Paradox. Now, B, did you have one that none of us saw? I did. 
Uh, it's from 2018, and it is called Bad Apples. It's Halloween night, and two bad apples decide to play some wicked tricks on the one house in a suburban cul-de-sac that is not celebrating Halloween. I skipped it based on the cover art. You know what? what And you know what? Even though the cover art is pretty generic, the reason why I watched it was first I saw those masks, and I liked the masks, even though the cover art is not great. And I actually liked the trailer. The the trailer made it look like, okay, it it is going to be low budget, but it made it look like it's going to be psychological and, and, and disturbing. And man, what a waste! Oh my God! I knew it. Um, <laughs> I mean, you start you start off with a flashback of a pregnant woman being stabbed to death on Halloween. It turns out it's the father of her children who's stabbing her. He left her for another man, and he's not having that. You know, she's she's not going to live with some other guy who's going to raise his kids. So he decides to kill her and kill uh, kill himself. But the last image you see right before they flash forward about 15 years is that the babies have survived. There's two babies on the floor. They're stabbed to death. They killed, killed themselves. And uh, she's the two babies are on the floor wiggling around. And then you flash forward 15 years later, and you get these two girls who have survived. They never take these masks off. They never talk. They just giggle and whisper to each other. There's absolutely... No story development whatsoever. The acting is bad. The the dialogue is poorly written, and it's just incredibly underwhelming. I mean, it just it leads nowhere. You want background. You want you want psychosis here when when these girls have survived what they did, but it's just it's goofy. It's like two clowns just running around, <laughs> giggling and just like killing people, and the kills are just not gory, not creative, and no one cares because the characters are just annoying as hell. And, you know, it concludes with a ridiculous cliche ending. And then we get a coda. It actually says coda. (laughs) It actually says coda. And then it goes to just three new characters in the future that we know nothing about. And it's just kind of like rehashing the beginning of the film and retelling the story and getting you set up like something creepy is going to happen and nothing happens. Really? It's it's. Easily the worst movie of the year that I've seen. I have not had a great start to 2018. You I've watched about. This. I've watched eight films. I think I've liked. I think I've liked four of them. Loved four. Really liked four of them. But uh, this one by far was absolutely atrocious. I gave it a two and a half out of ten. Whoa! You never come in that low. <laughs> it, 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 was, it, was, it. it was. It was. It was. It was so bad. It's there's just just nothing in it. There's nothing good to talk about. Wow. In here. Just ask me. Say, Dave, look at the cover art. Tell me what you think. I'm, I'm in the 90 percentile on this game. I really am. You know what I always go back to? I go back to uh, Satanic. Because you and I had the similar experience on that, where it was so low rated on the B, and it's sort of like a generic cover art, but it turned out to be a really good film. And the trailer for this really did make it seem like, like oh, this is my type of film. Low budget psychological, but you get nothing. The setup True. was pretty cool. I'm like, oh, these, these girls survived trauma. Okay, of course they're going to be fucked up, but then they're just going to run around in masks giggling the whole time for for the rest of the movie. I mean, they literally are always wearing these masks. It's like it must stink under there. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. Back to Satanic. I didn't watch I didn't want to watch that solely because of the rating. I had no problem with the cover art. It was, yeah, that's it was below true. 4 on the B, which to me 
equals don't watch it. You've never rated a movie higher that you that was been rated under a four on the B. So I never do. So that was the one time it was a three point eight. And yes, I watched it. And yes, I would give it like a six out of ten or something. Yeah. It was fine. I'm glad I. I but if I still went the rest of my life without seeing it, it would have been okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we're on the minority. Most people fucking hate that movie. Yeah, I actually enjoy that. But Bad Apples is actually not. a 3.4 rating on the B, and I think it's a generous 3.4 rating. Man. Yeah. Bad. Wow. Check it out tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> full, now here's the three I got. Full convulsions. No, full head implosion. There you go. An implosion. That's serious. <laughs> Damn. So I'm going to start off with this one. I don't know who else saw it, but everyone has... Everyone here has seen my, my three. Um, at least one of you has. So I'm going to start off with this one because I think it's going to be uh, it's going to go a little longer than the other two. Cause it's going to be a little bit of ranting. And not on the film itself, on other people's takes on this film. This one is the Cloverfield Paradox. And I, which one of you guys saw it besides me? That would be me. I cannot wait to hear Rant. what you have to say. And I <laughs> hope we don't get into it. This is going to be interesting. I'll tell you what. Going into this movie... I hoped for one thing. I knew nothing, and, you know, I stay out of it. And I knew that it was coming that night after the Super Bowl. Everyone knows the story. I'm not going to rehash what every fucking podcast has already said. So it came out. I didn't watch it that night. I watched it the very next night. And I said to myself, please explain what's going on with part one and two and how they're connected. That's all I want this film to do, and I'll be happy. Because we all liked the last one, but we all said... And I said even before it came out that this looks like a movie that was shoehorned in and they threw in something to make it Cloverfield. So all I wanted this movie to do again was to explain. The movie begins, and it's not in my wheelhouse at all because I'm not really a space kind of guy. I mean, I like Alien, of course. I love Alien. But I'm not really a sci-fi horror type guy. It's not something that I usually gravitate to. It's usually something that other people like more than I do. So this movie had that going against it when it began. But, you know, I'm giving it a fair a fair shake because, you know, why, why wouldn't I? It's a film. So I go into the movie and I completely am on board for the first half hour. I already have a feeling where they're going to go with their explanation when the guy starts talking about the paradox and what it means Yes, this guy was put in there as an exposition guy, and I don't care. But he he said he was explaining what's going on with different parallel universes and whatnot and and the repercussions that could happen if they keep firing this thing that they're firing out in space. So given that information, I was like, oh, they're already going in the right direction for me. They're hopefully going to attempt – to explain everything about the first two in this one. And as it goes on, a lot of stuff happens, but most importantly, they do what I was hoping they were going to do. And what's bothering me is people are complaining, saying that this was shoehorned in, and 100%, that's what Cloverfield Lane was. And people, because they enjoyed the movie so much, because it's like psychological and people like that shit, it seems like they want to give that one a pass but say that this is the one that shoehorned it in when it's the complete fucking opposite. When the third act comes, I admit, it got a little bit generic and it was some things that I've seen before. But I mean, the first half, I was completely into the film. Then that happened, I was like a little bit worried. Okay, well, but then I'm thinking, let's see what happens and let's see where it's going to go And at the very end. 
And sure enough, I ended up doing exactly what I wanted it to do. And there are so many hookups between this one and the other two that people don't realize. Names of characters, things that happen on the screen. I listened to a podcast, uh, the Buzzkill podcast, just put it out last week. And it's called Crimson and Clover is the episode. They really get in deep. They talk for about 15 minutes about all the parallels between this movie and that and the marketing and how everything happens and like how it like 18 minutes and 25 seconds of the first Cloverfield and matches up exactly with the first 18 minutes and 25 seconds of Cloverfield Paradox. When they shoot that thing, that's when the explosion happens and the power goes off in the first one and etc. There's all kinds of these hookups. And if you watch the first one and the second one, things that tie them all together. So is it the greatest movie of all time? Of course not. But I really enjoyed everything that happened with the characters. I was on board with the characters. I liked the parallel universe stuff and what was going on and the way it was ultimately explained 100% worked for me. And that little cherry on top at the end, it was just what I was hoping for. I think they wrapped it up. I think that it's it's brilliant what what they're doing with this uh, with this series now. And this movie, because of what they did, they can make seven more Cloverfield movies and find a way to tie it in but not do it cheaply. See, what do you have to say? I agree. I, I okay. I didn't love the movie, but I really enjoyed it. And I, I don't understand the argument about being shoehorned in either. Because Not at all. <laughs> like the other one was like the last ten minutes. You know what I mean? I mean, I know that it was like little hints throughout, but this movie is gorgeous to look at. I wasn't. I didn't even know there. I knew there was going to be another one out. I didn't have any clue it was dropping after Super Bowl. I didn't know any of that stuff. All of a sudden, right. I see Willis post on uh, our site or on one of the sites that. Hey, the new Cloverfield's on, on what Netflix. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> and, I, and that's exactly what went through my head. I said there was one joke that I freaking laughed so hard at, and it was a stupid joke about that guy that loses his arm. Uh, he finds right. my, his arm, and he, he makes a joke towards the arm that I thought it was absolutely hilarious. And I love the ending. I thought the ending, I called it the Halloween 3 ending. Like, almost uh-huh. like, stop it! Never go back! Never go back! Never go back! <laughs> and then you guys got me more excited to see it yeah Ooh. i i really enjoyed it i and i agree there's there's plot devices throughout sprinkled throughout talking about time travel dimension travel and how it all interconnects with uh well the one movie that's you know supposedly taking place in 2008 cloverfield and 10 cloverfield lane supposing that it takes place in 2016 and why there would be differences and uh that I guess this is far in the future, two, two thousand something or other. But it's it's in part the future. of it is, yeah. But there's different of, realities. Yeah, exactly. There's different realities, and then uh, yeah, I, I don't want to say too much more, Brandon, since you haven't seen it. But I would be interested in seeing right. your take. But I don't know what the hate is, because uh, it no, was definitely a good it. movie. I think people are being biased because they enjoyed Ten Cloverfield Lane as a film more than they enjoyed this. But it's like they're out of their minds because that was the one that was shoehorned. I mean, that's why I wanted this movie to explain how that one was part of the first one. And what this movie did was tie them all together and make infinite more possibilities. And as long as they don't cheapen it in any way, and like in this, some of the characters have the same last names. Some of the streets are the same streets. Uh, If you look at the marketing stuff with the posters, there's certain things you can do with them. And they do all kinds of crazy marketing online uh, where if you have to go snooping around and do some investigation, this is an incredible thing that they're doing here and that a lot of people don't know about and they should watch YouTube videos on it and check it out. But there's so much afoot here that I'm not saying this is the greatest movie in the world, 
but it did what I wanted it to do, and I was okay with just about all of it. There was just enough parts that, uh, just enough comedy, not comedy, but there was one character that had a few funny lines that worked. Uh, you're rooting for a certain character because you know what's going on. Just enough backstory for, for, for these characters. I really enjoyed it, and I can't understand the hate. And I came in, this movie, for me, this is like, are we doing grades? Have we been doing our numbers? I, well, I messed up. Usually for the new ones, we haven't been, but I did do it for okay. uh, Inside, but that was only because I came in so ridiculously low. Yeah, that's initially. why I did it for Bad Apples as well. I, I bet, wanted to tell you how low I came in. Well, I, and then, okay. and then that, I tried to be more objective, and then I came in at giving it a five, but that's, for Cloverfield, I'd just say half head. Me? I'm half head too, straight up. And hey, You're a full yeah. head together. <laughs> yes, we are. And I, I'm, I'm curious to see what you see, see, Brandon. Check it out, because I do not understand why people are are, are saying some of the things they're saying. It makes yeah, no sense. I got to get back to my 2018 watches. I've been obsessed with 76 prep. Yeah, well, I, that, that's okay. All I right. So, <laughs> do we have more besides the, the two I have nope. that, that we've seen? Okay. So, Mom and Dad. Who else saw Mom and Dad? Present. Oh, uh, right. What'd you think? I thought it was a blast. Me too. I Lots it was of fun. Blast. I wish the the one criticism I have with it, they could have upped the gore. I guess so. And 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 my this is not a criticism, but I much preferred the the first half to the second. And I have a feeling I'm in the minority because most people like when it gets secluded. And I was more about the. It's almost like the purge. You know, everybody always says that they yeah. want to see how the purge started and all that craziness out there, and they weren't as concerned with what was going on, like in the first purge movie when it was just Ethan Hawke and his family. That everyone was saying, "I want to see what's going on outside." Well, in this movie, you got a lot of that in the first half, and then the second half it got more secluded. And I'm hearing people complain, but it makes no sense because they're saying that they wanted to see more of the secluded stuff. Like, well, what the fuck do you want? I, I actually <laughs> thought it was a perfect blend of both. The the way I criticized it was, like I said, I felt like there was great violence in it, but a lot of cutaways or you didn't see enough of the actual violence. There were some great scenes in it for for them to really go overboard with it, and it's a perfect perfect film for Nicolas Cage. Nick he just, is great. He, he, he just went he just went full Nick Cage in this. Yes, he and did. And it's great. I don't know, see, uh, do you know what this movie's about, see? Yeah. Cuz you know, it, it, the parents are killing their kids, but only their kids. They're not yeah. going after anybody else's kids and it's really cool. It's a cool concept. It, it, it's set up like a uh, I don't know, a virus or not. I don't know. It's not explained and I don't it's care. It comes in Exactly. Who cares? The right. only thing I will say and I believe the director of this did the uh, crank films. Okay. And you could see that because this is very fast-paced like kind of non-stop is with the way this film concluded, I would really like to see another one. Oh, yeah. I'm fine with it. Why did this yes. get a major release? I don't know, but it's a good film. It's a good it's concept. It didn't, get a, it didn't get a wide release. I do have one complaint. The baby scene. As soon as that baby was birthed, it looked incredibly fake to me. Looking at one of those things you could buy at the store, one of those real baby things, immediately. <laughs> so anything else that happened with the parents or the baby or anything else in the hospital lost any impact that it should have had. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not usually one of those type of guys that nitpick shit like that. But as soon as this baby was delivered, I looked at it and I said, oh, gee, that looks fake. So I got taken out of it. And I, it's weird because I'm the only one I've heard make with that complaint. I can't nitpick because I, I, I don't have any notes on this one. That's all right. Well, I'm just going to sum it up. I'm going to say it was a lot of fun. It said there was some good kills, but a few more would have elevated it. 
Um, hey, you know what? And I'm telling yeah. you, it's not even a few more. It's if they showed more, especially like in the scene at the school. Oh, Can you imagine if they showed all that? I know. It was a fucking massacre. <laughs> yeah, dude. He's pointed at you like he really wanted you to agree. You? No, because it's such a cool scene, Christian. There's like the the kids want to go with their like parents. The premise. kids want to go with their parents, or the parents are on the other side, all looking at them crazy. And the security guards and police are like, "No, they know something's up." And then the parents just break through and start chasing their kids down, and they're they're slaughtering their children. But you don't see a lot of it. Right, and it's cool because you feel for the characters. You feel. You, I yeah. like the parents. I like Nick Cage, and I like the wife, and I forget her name, but I know apparently she's somebody famous because every podcast ever mentions her like she's somebody, so she must be Sama, Sama Blair. She is Sama somebody. Blair. Yeah, she is somebody? She is somebody. Okay, I figure because the way people talk about her, but I don't know. But anyway, you like her. You you like Nick Cage. You like uh, the family. Does, all the characters are, are pretty much likable, and they're believable. Like the relationship between the mother and the daughter with her at that teenage at that age with the separation of the parents and, and becoming more distance and the way she talks to her it actually made me a little sad i remember telling my wife after i said i saw this movie and the relationship i go i can see frankie acting that way toward the sunday when that does happen it's going to break my heart because there's not much you can do about it they they, they reach that age where they think you're stupid and that they know <laughs> everything you know what i mean and it's you're if it makes you head. feel better i've always thought you're stupid <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't make me feel anything because I don't give a fuck what you think of it. Good comeback. It makes two of us. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I won't add anything else fuck to it. Fuck you, see. I'm, uh, I'm recommending it. It's a half-head explosion. What, yeah, what I'm right there with you. Half-head explosion. Definitely recommend it. Nice. But those flashbacks are cool. When you see before all this shit happened and yeah. how they might have set up and, and when Nick flips the fuck out, that whole scene with the uh, the pool table and that story, I think it's great stuff, man. Great. Yeah. Great. So there you go. Okay. Looking one last flick. It. The Ritual. B, you saw this one? I did. Well, go ahead. You want to you wanna lead into it since you're so good at it? <laughs> lead into it. Okay. Yeah, it's been a... Uh... Well, it's pretty easy. I'll tell you what. This reminds me uh, of of The Descent, of The Blair Witch, and of The Witch. Three great movies. And Yeah, I mean, the great thing about this film is the characters. You have phenomenal characters. And the setup of this film is that a group of friends go on on a camping trip to pay respect to one of their friends who's killed in a convenience store holdup. Now, the, the little twist to that story is that they were all together the night the friend was killed, and one of, one of the other friends was in there with him and froze up and didn't do anything to help him. So you have all these characters now together, like, I don't know if it's like a year later, if they, if they even say, but it, it's to- a little bit of... Six months. Six months? Okay, so yeah. you got six months later, and they're going together on this trip that they had planned to do all together. They're going to pay respect to him and, and go camping, and... There's all these different emotions. There's there's guilt. There's anger. There's there's just it's just a, a smorgasbord of of emotions. And these actors are just terrific. And it, it sets up like this is going to be a psychological thriller. But then it all of a sudden it throws in this supernatural element and it blends the two together so well. Yes, and don't give so, anything away about no, the third act. No, I, no. I, I, I'm pissed off that I heard one word describing where it went just and i can't say it because then i'd be spoiling but no, that, that's all, all i'm going to say is it's a it's a perfect blend of a psychological drama and a supernatural thriller and it's really the best acting i've seen 
in a horror movie this year so far. Oh yeah. So Netflix or Shutter? Netflix. Netflix. And it's fantastic. It is fantastic. I have spoken to some friends who have seen it before, and and I have not a criticism, but I would have changed one thing, and I'm not even going to talk about it because that one thing would have been the ending. And it's not even that it would. No, I, I I would have added one. I would have added something to the ending to make it, to me, make it even better. But it was still phenomenal, and I can't I can't nitpick anything I saw. I just would have tacked on an extra fifteen second scene at the end. Okay, that's cool. We'll talk about it then yeah. off camera or off air or whatever. But the lead character, it sets you up, or you're not sure what you think about him at first, and then you're uh, uh, you I, you end up. I think caring about all the characters and it's very believable their relationships and they each have strengths yeah. and weaknesses. But you're with this lead character from the beginning because you see what happens. You see that he pulls this little act, which as a human being, it's hard to say what everyone would do in that situation. You know, me and my wife debated this because I said, you know what, if I'm there and something happens at first, my first instinct is to do this before I see what happens. Well, once things transpire a different way maybe i'm gonna act a different way and if i'm there with you i'm telling this to my wife or my daughter it's a completely different thing but if i'm there with another grown male like myself i think that they will should have the smarts to act a certain way that i am and just get the fuck out of the way and excess excess the situation for what it is and then go on with it but that's a whole other story and i wish we could have got into this as a full review spoilers and everything because a lot can be discussed here and we can't do it now yeah. All I'm going to say is everybody should watch this movie and it's a full head explosion. I fucking love this film. Yeah, I'm actually I'm at a full head explosion too, even though I do have like I said the one thing that I would like to add, but it you get on board because of these characters and I I actually found them all pretty likable from the beginning, very true to life. You could tell yes. these are good buddies and that this is just a horrible thing that happened and it's kind of tearing them tearing them apart and it's just like there's no evil sinister intentions with these characters you could tell they're they're good buddies but they're fighting because of of this of this incident that happened ultimately and yeah just, and where it goes and yeah. why a character was chosen for what they were chosen for all makes perfect sense to me because of what they had going on internally it makes sense that somebody else would think that he was going to be subservient to them because of what he had going on inside and part of what happened in the past. Yeah. And I'll just leave it at that. I wish we could have really covered this film, but it's a ringing endorsement already from at least two of us. So you guys have seriously got to check this one. Yeah. I, I'll, I admit to I people that I sure. even came in lower than I think I probably will upon rewatches. I saw it twice already. I've only seen it once, but man, this is, this was easily my favorite movie so far this year and a, you know, strong contender right now for for year end oh yeah oh it, it, unless this is the best year in, in history there's no way it wouldn't be on my top 10 i'll tell you yeah that. yeah this this movie <laughs> yeah. is really it's that good that it, yep. it blends two two genres together two subgenres together so well and you, you don't even want to you just i mean we really we literally yeah. set up like the first 25 minutes right. we didn't even get to the second to the to the last hour which just and why did this get a big release? This had a known cast too, didn't it? Doesn't it? The UK, no. No, it's English actors. There's um, yeah. I don't know how Who to. Rafe Spall. <laughs> Rafe Spall, who's whose father's a well-known actor. Rafe Spall was in like uh, he had a P 
appearance in Hot Fuzz, and I think he was in uh, Shaun of the Dead. Don't look, see. Don't look at anything. I don't want to do any spoilers. Yeah, just seriously. Just the, I mean, you don't, you don't even want to hear people talk about any minute detail. The setup is pretty much all we've given. Just go in and, and watch this because it's a, it's a gem. Holy yep. shit, that picture. I thought that was Ryan Reynolds. Don't look at any more pictures. Get yeah, off. I, you might, I, I heard they show something. You okay. don't even want to know about it. I won't even do it. I yeah, don't do even. It. I, I heard they actually show something on the IMDb if you in the pictures. So, yeah, don't. Don't go. It's a straight spoiler. Make it the next movie you watch. Go on Netflix and watch the fucking thing. Straight up. That goes for everybody out there <laughs> if you haven't seen it. Sounds good. So, all right. Well, let's take a quick break and then come back and do our last review and get the hell out of here. What do you guys say? Are you looking to travel beyond the void? This is Alex from Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. Join me and my co-host, Brittany Bloodshed, every week for two episodes on Monday and Thursday. Do you like to drink, laugh, and talk horror? Well, so do we. We make up funny skits, horror shots each week, news, and rotating segments on Monday like great plots where we make up movies on the spot, interviews, reviews, and a lot more. Plus, on Thursdays, we break down two horror movies with jokes and loads of trivia. Go to longlivethevoid.com to check out Beyond the Void Horror Podcast now. We're back. We have one final review. What's the name of this movie? Twins of Circus? (laughs) Twins of Circus. I genuinely believe you think it's called Twins of Circus, but it's called Vampire Circus. <laughs> and this one's from 1972, directed by Robert Young. As the plague sweeps the countryside, a quarantine village is visited by a mysterious traveling circus. Soon, young children begin to disappear, and the locals suspect the circus troupe might be hiding a horrifying secret. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. They get a curse. This whole place gets a curse. Because uh, this vampire's fucking people's wives or something like that. And uh, the villagers kill the vampire eventually. Or not eventually, like in the first five minutes of the film. And he curses the whole freaking place. Another what's count. Strange to me. Another count. Count Mitterhaus. Count Mitterhaus, yes. In Stettel. And in the okay. game, this is the one when I saw how he was dressed. I'm like, why does he have the same fashion sense as Brandon? <laughs> hey, this took place in the 19th century. So at least it was more current fashion for me. <laughs> And yes. Dave, come on. This is the one that I thought you'd love. Right out of the gate, a little girl gets killed. <laughs> I did like that. That was good stuff. And there was a long intro, 13 minutes until the freaking the opening credits came in. I wrote that too. <laughs> what the fuck? Right? In a diseased village. And 15 years later, you know? Here's what I don't get. Why would a circus come to a place that's quarantined, this diseased village? And why would they think that they were just there... For you know reasons so that, that, that weren't that's nefarious. that's the interesting question because nobody really questioned how they got through the roadblock because there's a roadblock in and out of this village. They did question it and they give they, they did give it, them an answer, but, but they kind of dismissed it because the town is is so death ridden that it, it just needed some joy, so they didn't even bother to really second guess it. And I was totally on board with that. That's fine. No, no, I'm not complaining. I'm just. It was just a little surprising that they would just be so accepting of, like, wouldn't you think that they were up to no good if they're coming in there? To, I don't know. And they were doing these mysterious tricks that you would they would have to have supernatural powers, you'd think, to do. Who's that good? Holy oh, the, fuck. fu- the fucking best trick in the thing was when that midget, who or, or little person, sorry, I don't want to find anybody, with the white fucking makeup face decides to face pull off, off his face <laughs> oh, to reveal yes. a white makeup face. Yes. <laughs> 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 the fuck is going on here? We're, That's my kind trick? of trick. I like that. It's did unexpected. Any you, did any of you have to look up what a Bergmeister is? 
No. Okay, check it out. I, Burgermeister. Now, here's if you watch Santa Claus is Coming to Town, that that show that that comes on every year. When you hear about how Santa Claus, you know, came came to be, you know what I'm talking about? The Rankin Bass, uh, show. I'm Jewish. Like Rudolph and all yeah, that shit. Like you guys Rudolph. never yeah, watched, I watched that? that one in ages. Yeah, I, remember I watch it every year. Okay. Well, the guy in it from the German town, his name is Burgermeister Meisterburger. So, <laughs> so. As soon as they said Burgermeister, I thought of him. I'm like, what the fuck? What the hell is this all about? So that must be some type of title in. I, it, it, it means it means like chief or chairman. I thought he worked at McDonald's or something. I was like, he's a Burgermeister. <laughs> like, no, I'm thinking of fucking. Give me a Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> I recognized that. I was just like, kind of, you know, taken by it. You know, I was like Burgermeister. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, thought this, I thought the setup was cool. The, the, the whole, I, I know you said it was 13 minutes, but I thought it was cool. Good setup. It's yeah. Pretty straightforward. They killed, you know, the count and he, he vows to return and kill all the children of the town like and Nightmare be reborn. I thought it was like yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. I was like, it is. Yeah. It's Nightmare on Elm Street. It was like, when it was the line, like the cur- your the curses on the parents and we'll pay through for like your through your children or something like that. I'm like, what? Right. Like Nightmare on Elm Street. And but exactly. tell me, right out of the gate, I think he fucks a woman, the count. Yeah. And and this woman's like, please, please don't leave me. I'm like, yeah. I've never satisfied a woman like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, please get the fuck out. Have you satisfied a man like that? Yeah. <laughs> well, that goes without saying. <laughs> oh shit. Well, he's a vampire. You got those skills, man. And man, I tell you, what a how life. How about how nonchalant, like, obviously we jump 15 years later and, and the doctor of the town has to leave because he has to get to, to the major city to, to get medicine, to get help because he knows how to cure the plague, but he, he's not allowed out. So him and his son do that whole, like, I'll distract him while you go through the guns. Like, <laughs> like, th- like, like it was no big deal. Yeah. I, I would be like, dad, I ain't doing that. I'm sorry. You're on your own. <laughs> Fuck you, Dad. They were, yeah. Well, they were. They're good doctors. They're committed to their yeah. uh, their craft. <laughs> Another example. Good characters. Really good characters in this one. There's one guy at the beginning. I'm like, oh my god, it's Anthony Hopkins. I swore it was Anthony Hopkins, and I looked up IMDb, and nope, it wasn't him. <laughs> That's my story. <laughs> but I wrote it down. And there's some crazy carnage at the beginning, but there was one really bad. Someone get their throat cut, but it was a really bad like cut, and the spray came from like nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's cheesy fun. Yeah. It was cheesy fun. It was. It was cheesy fun. I just I, I was on board until the last act, and when the last act hit, it just seemed like there was too many characters. There was no main characters. It was just always, and I was fine with that. It was bouncing around between the circus people and this guy and this chick and this other people. There was so many characters in this film and so yeah, many that, things that going was, on. Yeah. Right. But there was no yeah. main characters. But all of a sudden, they decided to make these two characters the main characters. And I wasn't identifying with them because it took way too long for for them to set them up as someone we're supposed to be interested in. So Ooh, for me, Dora, Dora and Ant and uh, yes, yeah, whatever Dora their names and, were. Yeah, Dora and Anton. I I believe that they were the main characters because Dora's father was like kind of the main character at the beginning, and he's sort of a main character throughout because he's the one who's kind of leading the whole thing against the vampires, but. Once they return, it's like young love. She she came back to a plague-ridden town just to be with him. Yeah, I guess so. I guess in terms of of storytelling, they I thought the circus had a the circus had a lot of characters, and I thought interestingly enough, what they did with these characters was was pretty creative because not everybody was was as you thought. Not I everyone was a vampire. Yeah. No, no, they weren't. 
I thought this was more ambitious in both the story and the ideas uh, than both Twins of Evil and Countess Dracula, to be honest. But it seemed a, a little dull in comparison. Agree. Uh, this yeah. was the least favorite of the three. Yeah, me too. I, I would agree. I would agree. I don't know if my rating necessarily represents that, but from an enjoyment standard, I, I'd say this is my least favorite of the three. Uh, there's fantastic moments, to be sure. Like, the there's some nice shots of some mangled corpses. One, I think, with maggots, even. And then the uh, giant cross staking. Holy shit, was that cool or what? Yeah. That giant cross being pushed down and, and going right through. Oh, yeah. The beheading was a little clumsy, but oh, well. Best line of the movie or best exchange of lines when the midget brings those people uh, to the roadblock. We have reached the roadblock. The people, um, oh, bless you. Don't, don't bless, bless me. me. Pay me. <laughs> pay me. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that too. We all wrote that down. <laughs> don't I bless me. Was hilarious. Don't it's bless awesome. me. Pay me. Yes. <laughs> that was great. And, he, and before that, he didn't speak a word. Why couldn't you say this way, this way? He's fucking acting like a mime the whole way. He's like, do 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 Like Marcel Morceau. He's not, not saying a word. He's pointing this way. Then all of a sudden, we have reached the roadblock. Like, I do a face. great, you I talk do a great impression of Marcel Morceau. Yeah, you why don't you try it? it right now? <laughs> <laughs> you do that for 50 more shows? <laughs> What'd you think? Wasn't that good? Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> the listeners <laughs> loved it, too. <laughs> Yeah. Well, listeners probably don't even know who Marcel Marceau is. Oh, no, you're insulting them. <laughs> oh, JP shit. doesn't even know who Meryl Streep is. You think he knows who Marcel Marceau is? No, I'd say he does not. <laughs> How about Rosa? Man, was she hot, huh? Oh, once again, there's always hot, hot girls in these movies. I like Dora, man. Dora was they were, beautiful. They were all. What about they the mirror? Good. They play with the reflection shit, too, in this. Like, what? <gasps> The Great. mirror reflection and vampire, and then all they lead into a different world and everything like that. And awesome. I, and, but they, awesome. they be, seem like it's part of the carnival tricks. Like, I, I like that stuff. I thought that stuff was great. Me too. It was great. It the, was that one scene with it the was boys. Just with the characters. I even thought that whole dance yeah. scene with the, the one male dancer and then the, the naked woman painted as a leopard. Yeah. I was like, but then those yeah. characters are throwaways, complete throwaways. And yeah. then they got they got the the twin vampires and I'm like where did they come from? Where, oh, how... she was hot too. Yeah, Helga. They all were. All the women in this movie are attractive. There's like half a dozen. Easy. Oh, a, a lot of a lot of people. It was it was a little tough to keep track. This would be the circus for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Too bad you can't sign up for it, huh? Yeah, yeah. you could you could watch the Panther. <laughs> you, you could watch a meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a meal. Yeah. I'll tell you what part was cool. What, what you were talking about the mirrors with the the two boys. Oh, two brave boys, and she brings them yeah. in. It, yeah. I think that was like the highlight of the film. That was actually scary. That's the one scary moment uh, of this film. Too. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was done well. The whole thing was good. Agreed. I, 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 but it was kind of weird because when they first brought the Meisterburger in there or the Burgermeister. The um, <laughs> tell me, I got that fucking thing. Burgermeister <laughs> Meisterburger. It's freaking Christmas shit. Um, when they first brought him in there, because they wanted to get him right away for whatever reason, you know, they bring him in there, and he was cracking up like he was sucking down nitrous. He was cracking up <laughs> so bad at those funhouse mirrors. Yeah. I, I, I was like, really? That's your reaction? I mean, yeah, I guess it's, it's it's entertaining, you know, to see yourself goofed up. He was acting like it was the fucking greatest thing he's ever seen in his life. How about the look of permanent horror on his face after he had, like, the heart attack? <laughs> 
If I ever look like that and I'm still alive, shoot me twice in the back of the head, please. <laughs> I right. actually wrote a note. Honestly, I figured this would be Dave's fave of the three hammer flicks because of all the kid in animal death. Because there's <laughs> animal death in this too. Yeah, well, that's those animals nobody cares about, though. It's all when it comes to it. No, it's true. There's nothing. That monkey. You don't care about those animals. They, they nobody. They weren't loved. They weren't beloved pets. That's what. That's the difference. I don't want to see animals killed. As, as you hear me talk. Pets. Yes, yeah, some something that's beloved and innocent that that is supposed to hurt you. You know, like. That's what I want. I want a gut punch. I was like, you, oh. you want to see a small child beaten to death with a puppy? Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. That would be that would be great. Done in a comical type tone. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Wow. We're putting that in our movie. Small child beaten to death with a puppy. You get it all. <laughs> all right. So we have we have our main characters in terms of who we're kind of rooting for throughout, which are Dora, uh, yeah, Dora and Anton. You have. Albert, who's the schoolmaster, who's sort of like, who's witnessed like the beginning of the whole thing and destroyed the count. And then you have the leader of the circus, who's actually, who's Anna, the gypsy woman, (laughs) who turns out to be Anna, who's actually the wife. Oh, is she now? I didn't catch that. She got away at the beginning. All right. Wow. She returns. That's why, and she's she's the mother of um, Heinrich and Helga, but she's also the mother of Dora. That's why you see... At the end, there's a scene where she she actually sacrifices herself. She she kind of leans down to save uh, to save Dora, and she gets stabbed instead of uh, Dora. And Emil's like in shock. Why wow. is it when everybody gets staked in the heart in this one? It's like in the lower stomach. <laughs> I know, right? I know they you said know- the heart's in the center of your body, but it feels like they're getting stabbed well below it. Yeah, apparently your heart is like literally yeah. right above your testicles. It's not like they're digesting it. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Like, what the fuck are these vampire hearts? Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah but, but that was that was interesting how that tied back in. No, it, uh, I didn't mean to jump away from what you're saying. I agreed. Fun vampire carnage, enjoyable. Just probably my least favorite of the three that we watched. Yeah, hundred percent with you. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying it in a bad way. I still came in at a seven out of ten. I'm I'm six point five, so I'm right there. Yeah, I'm se- I'm seven point five. Okay, boy, you are the hammer man, fucking B. Wow. Yeah. No, I really. I mean, it, I could even go go higher on this upon rewatches. Like you said, it was just a little bit confusing with with so many characters. There, there were a lot of people. There was, yeah. That's what I'm saying. There was yeah. a whole bunch of. So a, a rewatch when you know who everyone is, it might be easier to like just lay back and enjoy. Yeah, I think so. I think it a second view helps. And I, why not? It's, it's entertaining enough, and there's some attractive women. That's for sure. So Elias. Yeah, man. So what well, killed what killed the Hammer movie? Do you think it was The Exorcist and the realization that because I mean they talked about witches and like was it the fact that The Exorcist brought it to modern time? and devil and possession and and it just sort of killed the fact that they were doing sort of period piece vampire films and couldn't translate that into something that was more modern i i honestly don't know i mean it because the exorcist was i mean they went on for a lot longer after the ex- well, well no two, when did no, the exorcist came years, out 70, 74 right 74 73 i rely so this they went on for like, up for like four this. or five <laughs> more years yes yeah you might be right i just think that for the long, I noticed this, and I, I don't want to talk on it too much. 
but uh, you guys don't do the Stephen King thing, you know. So I'm four movies in, and the third movie, or the second movie, was Salem's Lot. And as I'm watching Salem's Lot for the first time since childhood, mind you, I'm noticing that it's 1978 when they're filming, 79, whatever, when it comes out. And there's a, a, you know, a, a young boy, a teenage boy who's into horror. And if you look around his room, all the posters he has and all the things he has are Dracula, Frankenstein, everything from the 30s and up. And I'm thinking at this point, so at this, at, and granted, Texas Chainsaw came out in 74, but it didn't really, he didn't become an icon until the 80s when all the sequels started coming out, you know? So, but I'm thinking from the 1930s to almost the 1980s, there is nothing for horror icons or anything. They're still stuck on these fucking same old characters. And the 80s came along and changed all of that shit. And it's it, it's really amazing. But, I mean, at that point, nothing else had come along. So I'm thinking that when Hammer came, they did more Draculas. They did more other things like that. And they, they got into period pieces, and it just stayed that way. Then I think horror started to take a turn in the 70s. Or even at the end, of you know, Rosemary's Baby set in modern times. I think more modern horror started coming into the picture, more adult horror that was modern. And I think that that it just it was the next progression because it was coming back to the United States. I think, you know, yeah. and it was just the times. Because isn't it weird that they're so stuck on those same characters at fucking that time that nothing changed really? It's just odd. That it's just something that crossed my mind. And Hammer just did his thing for a while, but then eventually horror got modern again, and they were just kind of. I'll tell you what, though, this Hammer stuff, this this whole time period would would not have appealed to me when I was younger. No, not at all. At all. Right. You have said that before, and I, and I admittedly, I did like to watch them. I would watch them. They'd be on TV. I remember catching a few of them here and there. I was I was always a little scared, but the Dracula ones never scared me, so I could watch them when I was a bit younger. Before I really got into horror, I at least watched the Dracula movies. Yeah. And like the old Universal ones, I'd seen. There was so much dialogue, I just don't see how a kid would want to watch it. I guess scenes, but, man, my daughter, as you guys know, is a fan of horror. I don't think she would be interested in wa- sitting down and watching Dracula and Frankenstein and Brighter Fr- in those old movies. I think it's just very dialogue-heavy and very slow-moving. I know people that might not like the ones we're talking about from the 80s, uh, because, like, even Friday the 13th, I think my kids might find it a little dry. So you can say that about those, too. It, it, it pains me to say that, but... That's the case, and I think it's just, you know, they're going to be looking back at those movies and say, oh, they're just too dated, they're too old. There will always be, we're generalizing, there will always be people that will appreciate them, but yeah, I think it will be difficult for new generations and new audiences to appreciate the classic, like, universal monster movies. Film has just changed so much. Yeah. That's all there, it's like, I complain, I say things are too convenient, and things, it's just certain things when you watch those films that wouldn't fly if you made a movie nowadays. Yeah, but now we're getting period pieces again. Look at films like Winchester, The Witch. They're just, you know, updated now. Right. And And The Witch would be a perfect Hammer film. Like, if that that came out as, like, a Hammer film, that, to me, would have been a great, like, a modern version of a Hammer film. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, I'm glad we got to see the films. Yes, thanks, Derek. thanks everybody else for your picks yes and uh, we do have one more pick that we're not doing the next show because next show is phantasm but after that we talked to charlene and she said that she wanted us to watch um i saw (laughs) the devil thank you it's one of my favorite fucking movies i saw the devil so i'm really excited about that so that'll be our triple r for not next show but the show after 
Nice. Yeah. Yeah, next, next show will be our Phantasm show. Yes. Nice. And if you guys want to get involved, I, I, we've mentioned it tonight, but we haven't given the information about the Patreon. So let me just uh, run let that just, by. Let me just give you my bank account number. Yeah, there you go. Well, you're right <laughs> to him. <laughs> it's uh, www.patreon.com slash exploding heads. Go check us out. We have things going up there all the time. We're making efforts to put up uh, a lot of exclusive material, things, uh, early releases of everything, and we're really uh, hammering at home. We're putting more and more stuff on. I'll probably put a video on there this month. Hammering at home. <laughs> hey, hammer. Nailed it. Nailed it. See? <laughs> hammer. Problem. I am. They put me in the mix. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, patreon.com. There you go. Uh, guys, email us, explodingheadshorrorpodcast at gmail.com or voicemail 702 389-6472. Get involved. There we are. And join the Facebook group page. And anything else we got to shout out before we go? No, man. I think that's it. We're good. Yeah, yeah we're good. good. I'm looking forward to watching more Hammer films. I'll report back here when I do. Right on. Sound no, good. No rush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who you kidding? Try that more so, more so again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be out. Talk to you guys later. Thank you. We love you guys. And uh, see you in four months. <laughs> he always ruins the endings. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Let's go play Hammer. Good night, everybody. I'm coming out. I'm going out late. Fuck. Just go out. Just go out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out of my butt. Problem.